Hey guys, Skeletoni here. And Taylor of Terror. And we're here to tell you about Amazon.com. I think most people know about Amazon. Well, sure. Millions of people shop on Amazon every day. Right. Most of you probably shop on Amazon already. So why not let your favorite podcast get in on the action? Yeah. Just go to Amazon.GraveplotPodcast.com and shop as you normally would. Plus, by going to Amazon.GraveplotPodcast.com, you can get 30 days of Amazon Prime free. That's right. Get free two-day shipping, plus access to Amazon Prime Instant Video, including thousands of movies and TV shows. So head on over to Amazon.GraveplotPodcast.com and get shopping. Amazon, and you're done. And we're done. Let's start the show. Cast. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. Yeah? Yeah. You sounded like Randy Jackson at the beginning there. Because I said dogs? Yeah. I wanted to uh, uh, create that that uh, feeling of, of bonding. You wanted to appeal to the urban market? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> From the late 90s? Right. <laughs> You know, you got to read your audience or your potential audience. Right. That's that's the crowd we're missing. <laughs> the people that still say dog. Right. Uh, anyway, so we're on episode 59. 59. Coming along. Next episode 60. You're not going to be here. I'm not going to be here, no. Prick. You got to time your vacations better. The tickets were cheap. So were you. Oh! There's nobody to high five. <laughs> you don't air five. <laughs> what are you doing? Huh? I'm not going to high five that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where are you going? You're going to New York New- City. For that famous salsa. Yep. <laughs> Famous salsa. I mean, I don't remember if I've ever actually asked. Are you just going to visit or are you going to see someone in particular? No, I'm just going to visit. Okay. Mostly just because we wanted to take a vacation. And like I said, the tickets were cheap. So, Fair enough. Are you going anywhere or are you just staying in the city? Uh, no, we're just, we're just, we're actually, we're staying in Times Square. Um, really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, it's centrally located, so it's easy to get everywhere. But, you know try and see all the friends and family that are out there as many as we can in the four or five days that we're there and uh hang out with all the mexicans dressed as almo (laughs) did you see they passed a new law about like where they can stand and stuff no it was so great because the the headline i saw was like 
New York City passes law on too many Elmos. <laughs> <laughs> and Optimus Primes and, and Woody's from Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think of that, I I mean, even though I've seen it in person, my mind immediately goes to uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, with, um, shit, what's the guy's name? Uh, Titus Andromeda. <laughs> right. He's dressed as like this fucking Iron Man knockoff. Yeah. Like, the colors were the same, but other than that, it looks just like a big robot. <laughs> Always makes me think of 30 Rock when uh, her her boyfriend got beat up by the Elmo and Cookie Monster. Because <laughs> he was on their corner or something like that. Right. Uh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Yep. Okay, well, um, anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, um, what about for me? We don't have we don't have a lot of horror business today, but no, no. Hey, right. horror people, do stuff. Give us something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Come on. We want to support and or uh, ridicule ridicule you. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I I broke another tooth. Really? Yeah, so I I probably have another root canal to look forward to. Fuck. Yeah. Don't go to the Norway guy. The Norway. Oh. <laughs> or Danish, whatever he was. <laughs> you have a, even have a license? Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go to him. Okay. Don't go to Corbin Bernstein. <laughs> and don't go to Dr. Acula. <laughs> well, it sucks because I gone. The last two that I've had, I went to the same doctor. He's he's really good, really thorough. Uh, you know, make sure makes very sure that you're comfortable while it's going on. Um, and you know, took a lot. Like me, I have like like overwhelming anxiety when it comes to having dental work done. Yeah, I'm the same way. Okay, um, and he was so great with that. Unfortunately, I go in there and I'm like, can you just give me the gas? Yeah. And they're like, we're just going to count your teeth. I don't care. Can you give me the fucking gas? If you're, you're going to put anything in my mouth. In or around my mouth. I'm going to need some help. Um, but, no, oh, I mean, the last time that I had one, like, yeah, I was making payments on what, because I maxed out my insurance mm-hmm. with that one procedure, just to give you an example how good my insurance is. Just having Thanks, Obama. <laughs> So having one tooth done, their one root canal maxed out my insurance, and I was paying out on it out of pocket, and I was making payments, and I just I had so many bills all at one time that I just lost track of it, like and I stopped paying just because I forgot that I even had the this payment to make. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, yeah, sent me to collections who I'm working on paying right now. So. And then they came to repossess the root canal. Right. <laughs> Give me that. Like the fucking genetic opera. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, so I feel like I may have kind of burned my bridge with that, with that guy. Mm. I don't know. But I, I also kind of want to... Like, you've never had a root canal, right? No. You have to go to, like, a specialist for it. Sure. Um, and I, I really want to try and find somebody where I can just go to one person. Who can do all of it? Mm, yeah, that's my goal. So that's what I'm kind of on the search for now. But I mean, like immediately after it happened, I ran out to the store and, and got some like temporary filling material. 
Oh, that's stuff you can just buy? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, it's not like medical grade, but for short-term emergencies, oh. yeah. It's, it's like a little putty. It comes in like a little tiny little jar, um, and you just pull it out. It, it looks like toothpaste almost, and you just kind of roll it into a ball, and you pack it into wherever you need it to go, and it hardens up in about two hours. Hmm. Um, well, anyway, so yeah, I got that in my mouth right now. Hoping it holds out until I can get into the dentist. Yeah. Before my, because I've I've felt I have felt extreme dental pain in my life, and it is worse than any other pain I've ever felt. And I've broken yeah. bones. <laughs> it's it's not fun. Like, I'm not a crying person. Like if, like terribly emotional things happen. Like if somebody dies, I'll cry. But. For the most part, I just don't cry. Cry and cry is so cry. sad. She's so dead. <laughs> I was so close to crying this one time, like this this tooth here when this one started flaring up. I, I like I was in so much pain and so close to panic that like the only thing my mind was telling me to do was just break down and cry. And like I mean, I or I, just I, punch the dentist in the fucking head. <laughs> Well, it's like I was at work when it started, and it just felt like somebody was jabbing like directly into my gums with an ice pick, and it would not stop. Yeah, it, it feels like if someone like takes like a, like a big ass needle, and then just like puts it over an open flame for like ten minutes, and yeah. then just jams it in your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen before I can get in. Because I, like a, a a piece of my tooth broke off. Oh, like it didn't like it, the tooth didn't fracture. Like it didn't break in half, which is good, I guess. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a filling. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. But we'll see. Either way, my wallet is going to take a hit. That sucks. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's it. I was listening to Harry Belafonte on the way up here <laughs> with my windows down. That was fun. People like were like looking at me. I bet it's not something you expect somebody to be listening to. No, especially <laughs> not someone that looks like you. Right. <laughs> Just like my sweet '90s playlist. Yeah. Are we gonna go to that show? Huh? Are we gonna go to that? I, I the really 90s want concert? to. That would be Fucking awesome. Coolio and Salt and Pepper. And All for uh, not All for One. Wait, no, is All for One there? Yeah, I think it was All for One. And Color Me Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a big butt and a smile. <laughs> That's Belle Bib DeVoe. Oh. Guy. Well, they should be there too. <laughs> Color Me Bad was I wanna sex you. Oh, up. that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wasn't uh isn't uh uh Young MC, wasn't he there too? Yes. Yeah, bust a move. Yeah, I want to ask him uh, if uh, I want to talk to a girl, but I'm a little too shy, what I should do. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. (laughs) (sighs) It's our song! (laughs) Oh, I uh, stopped to get coffee on the way up here. I'm just just finding things to talk about now. (laughs) Um, Stopped to get coffee, and... You know, it was a 
a, a, a venti, so a big tall cup, and I'm eating a sandwich at the same time. Um, but like you've seen my cup holders in my car, they don't really hold much. And they don't really hold cups. Yeah. <laughs> like you just kind of put the cup in there and kind of hope it stays. Yeah. <laughs> hope gravity is defied for <laughs> the rest of your trip. Well, it's like as long as it's not top heavy, it's fine. But you know, tall cups like that are. Anyway, but I was I was pretty good about keeping my hand on it and making sure, like, when I was turning corners or when I accelerated quickly, it, you know, wasn't going anywhere. Just the, the one time that I forgot, like, and I was pulling out of the parking lot, um, I, uh, yeah, stepped on the gas and it came falling over. And I had a plug-in, which was the ironic thing, because it fell and the lid came off. And so now I've got 20 ounces of coffee on the floor. Lovely. My car, so. I'm really anxious to see what it smells like when I go back out after my car's been sitting in the hot sun for a few hours. It'll probably smell like coffee. Or, you know, bad milk. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Luckily, I have a carpet cleaner at home, so... So you'll you'll be getting good use out of that tonight. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's about all for me. Uh, we should do horror business, I guess? Yeah, probably. All right. <laughs> Starting out with some real world horror. This is fucked. This, this is, is absolutely fucked, and I'm so mad that you put this on here because this is fucked up. This is probably the sh- shittiest, most fucked up story we've ever reported on. And I think before we get into this, I, I think we should preface this by saying the real world horror section is not meant to make light of tragedies that happen to real people. No, it's really more of like a truth is stranger than fiction kind of segment. Um, and yeah, you know, we we always say. You know, our condolences to those affected. So it's, it's not meant to make light or make fun of anything. But if anything, we're highlighting uh, saying, look at the depths of depravity that are in the human race. Yeah. Like kind of shining a light on it. And this shit is fucked. Yeah. This is this is fucking horrific. I mean, that's the only real world word I can think to define it. Um, but in uh, Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, a four-year-old girl was riding her bike down the street uh, with her. You know, her mother was close by, following along with her. Um, when a man approached and began slashing the girl with a cleaver. Fucked. Yeah. Um, ultimately... The man beheaded the girl. Um, Focus Taiwan reported saying, uh, I saw the suspect slash, or the mother said, uh, I saw the suspect slashing my daughter with a cleaver. I immediately grabbed him, but I could not pull him away. Uh, Bystanders heard the scream and tried to help uh, detain him. Uh, The man was later identified as Wang. Just Wang. Wang. Um, Not Wang Chung. No, because that's fun. Or, you know, when people Wang Chung, that's fun. Right. This is not fun. This is not fun. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a sub comment on what Taylor said earlier. We're dumb, so we just kind of say things. <laughs> <laughs> Which we, we make jokes about things. 
Right, but we're joking about Wang Chung. We're not joking about the poor little girl. That, no, this is still tragic. This is still fucked. Um, the uh, the attacker, Wang, uh, bought the knife at a locally gro- local grocery store just earlier that morning. So did he buy it with the intention of just fucking whacking somebody? One has to think. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I really doubt that he had a, a particular target in mind. Yeah. Because why would his target be a four-year-old girl? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no surprise to anyone, the man has a history of mental illness and had been receiving treatment at a psychiatric hospital. Why he was out... I mean, it doesn't necessarily say that he had a history of violence, but still. True. Um, the suspect was detained at the at a police station where a, a very large and angry crowd gathered outside. Uh, I guess the cops tried to escort him out of the building. And he still had blood on his face, of course. Um and I guess uh, the crowd rushed the man in uh, attempting to attack him. So the cops ended up taking him back into the station. So the cops should have just let him go. Oops. Street justice. Word. Um, yeah. This just is... left him in cuffs and just kind of been like, oh, no. Come <laughs> back. Just Willy Wonk at it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, don't. Come back. Stop. Please. <laughs> Murder. Just, just wow. I mean, you know, this is a this is a strong argument about you know people that uh, advocate against like trying people um, because they're mentally disturbed. Yeah, it's like maybe you know maybe maybe he hasn't ever displayed any kind of violence violent tendencies. But, you know, now he has. And the victim was a four-year-old. Yeah. And That's fucked. Yeah. You know, regardless of he, whether or not he had his faculties, he's a dangerous man. Indeed. I mean, if anything, he was probably more dangerous if he doesn't have his faculties. Yeah. If he doesn't know that this is wrong, then that's fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is an argument I've had with my wife many times. Um because you know she's she was a psych major in college, so she's very briefed on mental disturbances, and you know she's very opinionated when it comes to um, uh, legal proceedings with you know mentally disturbed people. And you know we, her and I, have very differing views on it uh, as far as like you know the, like the death penalty. I mean, she doesn't believe in the death penalty to begin with but especially for people with mental disturbances and it's like I'm they're human and they're dangerous they're just as dangerous as another person that would be tried for murder yeah I agree if not more so so I mean that's I've always found the insanity plea to be a cop out yeah oh yeah definitely especially because so I mean they they say oh it's not easy to fake because you know when you get reviewed by multiple psychologists or you know Multiple psychologists and doctors and 
you know, you're you're viewed very thoroughly. It's, it's not easy to fake an insani- insanity plea. It's like that's that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it could be done. Because if you're crazy but still sane enough to know what you're doing, then you could probably fake insanity. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there saying, "Oh, those these assholes sound so ignorant." But you know what? This is our show. Fuck off. And, and, and you know, the the proof's there. I, someone killed a four year old. Yeah, because he was insane. Hacked her head off with a cleaver. Like yeah. that's insane. Yeah, and it's not that's, like and just, that's dangerous. You like you don't want that person on the street. Yeah, I don't care if they know what they're doing or not. I don't care if they you know say they'll never do it again and it was just this weird flash of dementia or whatever that they're dangerous Temporary insanity yeah bullshit you're dangerous yeah and and if it's temporary insanity then what promise can you make that that's not going to happen again yeah and you know they'll put them in a uh, um even if they do try him or you know if they don't they'll put them in a, a psych ward a psych ward um or, you know a, a prison especially for um people with mental issues um it's like what what's to keep them from doing something like this on the inside? Yeah. Aside from being, you know, heavily medicated. Right. I just it's it's you know, they're they're human beings and to me they're just as accountable as any of us, especially when they take the life of another person. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I'm a big believer in eye for an eye, which maybe sounds like a a primitive methodology, but Okay. For me, it's it's not a justice thing. It's not it's not necessarily eye for an eye. It's it's is this person a threat to the public at large? And if they are, whether it's because they don't have their faculties about them or because they do and they know what they're doing is wrong and they get off on it or for whatever reason, if they're a danger to the public at large, they don't deserve to be alive. Right. I mean, if somebody is shown like if if people are somebody's believed to be a danger, that's one thing. If somebody is shown to right. be a danger, that's another. Right. That's that's what I mean. Right. Yeah. And I I'm, I'm I agree with you to an extent. It's like if there's somebody who has you know somebody like this who has demonstrated that they are danger to the public, danger possibly to themselves, and don't have their wits about them. Nothing really to stop them from doing it again. Yeah. Then um, they have no business on this world, I guess. I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. We're arguing the same point here. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this shit is proper fucked. Don't do this. Yeah. Keep the violence on the screen. Keep it fake. Keep it corn syrup. Right. And uh, yeah, our hearts go out to Taiwan. So. Yeah, and especially that poor mom. I mean, she, she was she was there. She watched it. She happen. watched it. Yeah, and I mean, she tried to stop it and, and couldn't. That's fuck. All right, let's uh, let's move on. So Brad Fuller and Michael Bay and Andrew Form, who is a name that we don't actually talk about a lot on the show, but they're, they are 
bound and determined to make this next Friday the 13th movie happen. You know, it's been pushed like four or five different times already. Uh, they've lost their director. They're on like their third writer, I think now. But they're still claiming it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuller and Form were talking to the website Too Fab and said, I can tell you, I believe there will be a set visit for everybody soon. So that's something. They, they have a set. I, I guess that's that's news. And what what is he what does he mean soon? <laughs> what does define soon, soon? Soon is a very broad term. Uh, of course, you remember the rumors that this was going to be set in the eighties and be kind of a uh, schools out coming of age comedy. Not, not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, form confirms saying there is truth that this is period but did not say what period. Um, of course, he does say there is truth, which kind of leads to the idea that it will be the 80s. Yeah. <clears throat> but who knows? Um, and then Fuller quickly added, and not found footage. <laughs> they really want to hammer that home, which makes me think they definitely wanted to do found footage at yeah, one point. Yeah, at one point they were going to do found footage. That yeah, was... didn't... Uh, who was the director that left? Bruckner. Uh, yeah, didn't he talk him out of it? Yeah, I think so. Which is weird because he his back his history is in VHS his inbound footage. <laughs> uh, um, Form said we're so lucky to have Aaron Guzikowski writing, who is a fan of the franchise. He's come up with an amazing story, and we can't wait to make this one. You know, uh, Aaron Guzikowski, of course, is the writer of Prisoners, starring Frank Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love our little callbacks. You know, I feel like we've said everybody is a fan fan of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I know when they brought Bruckner on, he was supposedly like rewatching all the movies to bring back the feel of the old school Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, now Gusikowski is this huge fan of the franchise. And yeah. Yeah. See, I'm a fan of the franchise. I can tell you like who played Jason in almost all the movies, like off the top of my head. Like if you gave me a little bit, I could probably tell you all of them. Um, I, I could tell you the plot from beginning to end of every single one. Um, I could probably tell you the year that most of them came out. I, I watched them religiously every Friday the 13th. I mean, well, not all of them because that's a lot of movies. Ain't nobody got time for that? No. Um, so I'm a fan. Is this guy a fan or does he just like he likes Jason? He thinks Jason's <laughs> cool. So he's a fan of the franchise. I don't know. I think that's probably more what it is. Probably. He's a fan of money. Yeah. He, I'll be a fan of whatever you tell me, like, man. <laughs> you sign that check and I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a fan of fucking uh some something bad. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> way to way to stick the landing. Fuck off. <laughs> Uh, I, I do find it interesting that Forum says he's come up with an amazing story. Uh, also, the script is due this month. So there's no script, but the story's amazing. Right. <laughs> um, 
scheduled to start filming this summer, but they still have no director, and they're not in talks with anyone. Right. You know, if they're trying to recapture the feel of the original, maybe the director's not really that important. Because the original movies, they weren't artistic. No. You could probably hire a college student. Just like, don't hire Samuel Bayer. Don't hire Samuel Bayer. Yeah. No. That guy's a wanker. He is a wanker. They did reiterate that this is supposed to come out January 13th, 2017. Yeah. Weren't they saying it was coming out next month, too? At one point, I think it was November of 2015, I think is what it started at. Yeah, yeah. this was supposed to have been out multiple times already. Mm-hmm. Um, they just Every time, they just push it out to the next Friday the 13th. Yeah, and it, they always do it like a month ahead of time. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> it's like, we haven't even seen a trailer. We, we know. It's That's, like, yeah, we don't have a script yet, but uh, no, it's still going to come out. And then like, oh, yeah, we still don't have a script yet. We're going to go ahead and push it. It's like, oh, yeah, you don't say. <laughs> oh, these fuckers. I mean, it sounds like they're on the right track, I guess. I mean, making it a period piece, that's something. <laughs> that's something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still not holding out hope. I guess we'll just, we're just taking this one step at a time. Yeah. You know, actually maybe giving this a little bit of thought, making it a period piece, maybe that's not a great idea. I, it in my mind it could go either way it could it could be cool and it it could just be really cheesy well because you know all the originals they, they they took place in real time i mean right present day whatever did whatever year it came out it was present day yeah so i mean what do you what do you do if you make another sequel i mean does it just live in like this endless time loop like the the, the simpsons well not even the simpsons but, I mean, like, does time just stand still? Do you just kind of make it generic 80s? Like, you don't specify a year? And it's well, just... and is this, is it going to be new canon then? Or like, are you, Clearly, it's not going to be tied to the original series. Is it going to be tied to 2009's movie at all? I is doubt it, it. like, a prequel? Or is it is it, like, a whole new reboot again? I think it's just, I think it's all new. Well, then I guess you could, you know, you could set it in the 90s for the sequel. Have you know a bunch of grunge kids and goths and emos? People wearing loud colors and and uh, and baggy, listening to Coolio and baggy overalls. And listening to Coolio and Belle Biv DeVoe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, but I mean, it's just, I feel I feel like if you make a new movie set in the eighties with the intention to make sequels, you're going to be st- stuck constantly backtracking i mean there's going to be a point in 10 years when making movies about the 80s isn't cool anymore yeah so what do you do then move up to the 90s that's what i'm saying but that's dumb just i don't know i think they're a walk they're walking a very fine line between Clever and stupid. That's what I'm saying. Making this movie in the 80s. Yeah. Is it going to wind up like Lost After Dark? Oh, right. Where they wanted to make sure you knew it was in the 80s. Right. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a, that 
ham fisted, but right. <laughs> but you never know with platinum dunes. True. Well, we Potentially good news for Stephen King fans out there. Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, One of my personal newer favorites of of Stephen King uh, is uh, Dr. Sleep, which, of course, is the sequel to The Shining. Um, Now, I mean, naturally, this is the the sequel to the novel The Shining, not the film, Mm -hmm. which would only make sense. But I just want to make that clear. Um. Uh, but uh, a film adaptation is being planned. It's a Stephen King book. <laughs> yeah, right. Weird. <laughs> what was the last thing he wrote that wasn't adapted? I don't know. It's, they, they. I mean, there was like his his most recent books are this and eleven twenty two sixty three, and both of them had have adaptations now. Yep. Um, Mr. Mercedes was supposed to be. Did that ever get made? Uh, God, I don't remember. I mean, I know they're it was option, planning yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe follow up on that somehow. Um, Oh, Cell. I know they're working on that. That was... That just got picked up for uh, like somebody, I think A24 maybe, just acquired the rights to that? That sounds right. Could be. Yeah, so that should be coming out probably oh, no, this year. Or no, it was Saban. Was it Saban? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that should be coming out this year. Still weird to me. The same company that does Power Rangers. Right. Different divisions, apparently. I did, did a little research, but... Saban Films and then Saban Entertainment are two different companies of like Saban International or something like that. Mm. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, uh, 2013 book, like I said, sequel Shining. It follows uh, Danny from the original, um, Danny Torrance, who has kind of grown up into this life of like his life has become a wreck. It, it, it picks up. I'd say maybe he's in his late twenties, somewhere in there. This says middle aged. Well, that it goes into where he's middle aged. Oh, okay. It, there, there's a, a jump in time because it starts when he. Well, no, it starts when he's still a kid. Um, and he's still kind of learning how to control his shine. Um, and you know, make it work for him, and learn how to kind of shut it off when he when he doesn't want it. Um, you know, um. Oops. Halloran's still around. His mother's still around. Then it jumps forward to where, like I said, he's maybe in his late 20s, if I remember right. And his life has become a wreck because he cannot control... Uh, or he, he has turned to using the kind of control that Halloran taught him, like mental control, to get rid of like the spirits because the spirits from the overlook have followed him around they attached to him um oh by the way guess what guys i'm gonna be going to the stanley this october yeah fuck off whatever i'm probably going to halloween horror nights no you're not i might be going no (laughs) okay never mind i'll make sure you don't (laughs) (laughs) that's a threat everybody heard it (laughs) So he becomes mentally linked to this baby with the shining 
a girl named Abra. Abra Kadabra? Yes. Is her last name Kadabra? No, it's um Is it in here? Stone. 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 Um You know I know I know you know this. You know in Harry Potter how the, the death spell is a Adana Kadavra or whatever? Something. I always say Abra Kadaver. <laughs> and my girlfriend's like, That's not what it is. <laughs> I do this. It's a I do to Kadaver or whatever, and I'm like, I don't care. It's Abracadaver. <laughs> like they should just say Abracadaver. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> Magic words that make someone die. Abracadaver. <laughs> I always I call uh, the I call Gandalf the guy that looks like Gandalf. Uh, I call him Albert Mumblecore. <laughs> uh, and I call the redhead I, I, Ron. Is that his name? Ron Weasley, yeah. Okay. I Ru- call him. Rupert Grint. Right, yeah. I knew the him. real guy's name sounds more like a made-up name than the character's name. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I call him Ginger Nuts. <laughs> I, that's all I call him. I never refer to him by any other name other than Ginger Nuts. Also, Drunk Ron Weasley is one of the best things in the world. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, anyway. Anyways, so, back to Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Uh, but Danny, he becomes like kind of mentally linked to this other girl that has a shining and she has like the most powerful shine that Danny's ever seen more powerful than him, more powerful than Dick, more powerful than collective soul. Yes. Right. Everyone let your light shine down. I hate you. (laughs) Uh, then it jumps ahead again when this girl is about 12. Okay, yeah, 12. Um, And this traveling gang of people with kind of... They don't all have The Shining. Most of them have, like, different mental powers. So they're like (laughs) X-Men? Almost. (laughs) But, I mean, like, there's one who can, uh, like, convince people to do things. Um. Uh. And oh shit, I'm having a hard time. And like others, have, like have um, lo- they they can locate people. Okay. Like they they can just mentally picture where in the world somebody is. Yeah, like a GPS in their brain. Essentially, yeah. So just, just different kinds of powers, and they're like they're like gypsies. I mean, they they travel the country, and they feed. They're they're immortal. They're kind of like vampires, and they feed on the shining. They will they will suck the shining out of people that possess it. I'll suck your shining. Yeah. So they kind of discover that Abra exists and come looking for her, and she reaches out to Danny, who comes to help her basically. So, long way of saying that it's a, it's a great book. It's 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 a really solid, excellent follow up to The Shining, which is also one of his bests. Um, it's uh, it's it's funny because that when he wrote The Shining, he Stephen King, he was you know drinking a lot and a lot of drugs when he wrote the um, uh. When he wrote Dr. Sleep, he was clean and sober. And to show, like, how 
um, Jack Torrance was a drunk and, you know, and a, and a violent person uh, when he would drink uh, versus how Danny is, who's he's a recovering alcoholic. Um, he, he has a very, like you could tell that Stephen King had a very personal insight into what that's like. Yeah. Um, especially, I think he kind of treats like the addiction and the craving as like the shining. That's, that's something that keeps calling him back to it is the shining. Hmm. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's a little bit of subtext and it's very interesting, but, uh, I, I recommend anybody that's read the shining definitely read this book. Even if you've seen, just seen the movie, um, I'd read the book. Um, anyway, but so this movie adaptation is being, uh, developed by Warner brothers who did the shining movie, which makes me wonder, <clears throat> are they going to follow the original film or are they going to follow the book? I don't know. Because, I mean, Kubrick's not involved, obviously. Right. And Stephen King was very public and, and vocal about his dislike for the Shining well, yeah, he Didn't he write the screenplay for the remake with yeah. Brian from Wings? <laughs> yeah. Which was had a different ending yeah. than the book, and it was dumb. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw the remake. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, that, that's what I meant. The remake had a different ending. Right. Oh, um, but, I mean, the book or the movie did, too. So there's three different endings? Essentially, yeah. Hmm. And, like, there's no there's no topiary maze. Oh, yeah, you said that before. Yeah. Um, there's no running through the snow with an axe. None of that. Weird. But, um... Stephen King is going to be executive producer, so I would guess that that means he's going to have a little more say in this one. Right. Um, which could be good or bad because his adaptations that he's like written scripts for have not been good. <laughs> um, the writer of this one is intriguing to me. Right, and it's being written by Akiva Goldsman, who uh, wrote... A Beautiful Mind, which was an Oscar winner, if I remember correctly. I believe so. And Batman and Robin. <laughs> I didn't know the same person wrote both of those. Me neither. <laughs> That's news to me. So this could really go either way. I was trying to describe Batman and Robin to my girlfriend. I'm like, first of all, George Clooney's Batman. <laughs> like, Let's so, just get that out of the I way. I was like, second of all, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Dr. Freeze. And she's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm like, well, he makes a bunch of ice puns. And she's like, that sounds amazing. I'm like, no. You're not listening. <laughs> she loves puns so much. It's Pun- ridiculous. Puns are like the lowest level. It's so of- lazy. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of jump scares. Yeah, kind of. Which we'll get into later. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this is more Beautiful Mind or more Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm really interested to know if this is going to follow the original film. Speaking of puns and The Shining, I, I saw a meme this morning, and it had like Jack Torrance frozen out in the maze, and then it had Haley Joel Osment, and it said, I see dead people. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> 
fucking idiotic. <laughs> oh, Christ. So dumb it's funny. <laughs> um, And, you know, uh, I mean, spoilers. Hey, you actually said it before you said the spoilers <laughs> this time. But, I mean, Dick Halloran dies in the movie. He doesn't in the book. Mm. So, I mean, spoilers for both of those. <laughs> um, We're well past 10 years on those, though. Well, yeah, it's just, you know, to be fair. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen The Shining, then the fuck, fuck are you doing yeah, with your fuck life? Fuck off. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and, and Halloran plays a pretty important part in the beginning of Dr. Sleep. So, if they're following the canon of the movie... That'll have to be eliminated. Something's going to have to change there, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. You know, I I could. This is kind of unimportant, but when I finished the book, I was talking to my dad about people that could potentially play the characters. Um, I saw Bradley Cooper playing Danny. Hmm. And. I think that he could play just kind of like a. I like him. He's. I, mean, I don't. I don't know the book, obviously, but I, I enjoy him as an actor. Yeah, and I, I really think he could do the the you know kind of the middle aged, because you know he's what early forties somewhere probably. Um, do the middle aged recovering addict uh, personality, as well as being kind of uh, a. Um, don't really want to do something uh uh reluctant reluctant uh kind of hero type person um and then for the character of rose the hat um she's described as a very tall beautiful woman uh with like long like midnight black hair i saw fam uh, famka jansen like hmm. i think she'd be perfect my dad thought Charlize Theron but I think he'd save her for everything hmm but anyway I don't know I haven't read it so I don't really I can't say you should read it you should read it so hard (laughs) read the shit out of it yeah uh yeah I'm excited about this either way because I was really hoping that they would make an adaptation about this I just I hope they do it right yeah well obviously remember roughly a year ago on this show where we talked about gene simmons and wwe studios teaming up to form a new horror label okay called erebus pictures to say no i don't remember that now i do and uh and we talked about how their first movie was going to be a movie called temple i don't remember that since then we have heard literally nothing dick until now uh, Temple is finally going into production, and it's going to star Wesley Snipes of Major League fame. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> That's what everybody knows. 
uh, Anne Heche from the remake of Psycho. And Six Days and Nights with Harrison Ford. Yep. Uh, Dave Annable from the TV show Brothers and Sisters. And former WWE champion Seth Rollins. I don't know that guy. He's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. He, he, he actually is pretty damn entertaining. He's out right now because he's tore his ACL or something. But, uh, he's making a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An action movie at that. Uh, filming began April 6th, so it's currently filming. Just to sidetrack here, do you ever find it odd that, well, I mean, you know that wrestling's not real. so It's the, still real to me, damn it. <laughs> so the fact that a lot of these superstars are out with these supposedly real injuries while they're doing things like this. Like John Cena, who's who's out with... John Cena! He, he was just out w- with what? A uh, torn shoulder or something? Yes, I believe so. But he was making that fucking... Well, he actually, he's been in a couple movies lately, I think. Has he? I think so. He's just like a reality show. Yeah, and yeah, he's got a reality show on Fox that he was clearly doing during that period <laughs> so. yeah i mean rollins hurt himself a while ago and this just started filming I, I don't maybe they pushed this back so he could be in it because his injury looked bad really yeah that's rough yeah don't nobody want to tear their acl i think that's what it was something in his knee hmm. uh this is being directed by dean stockwell from quantum leap no sorry john stockwell <laughs> not al calavici <laughs> Uh, John Stockwell, the director of Teristas and In the Blood. I'm not familiar with In the Blood. Teristas was... Not good. Was it not good? Mm. Oh, I heard otherwise, but... Really? Yeah. Who? Uh, I one name. I think Jessica Cameron, actually. Really? I think so. Mm. That's disappointing. Um, is being written by Matt Savaloni from Exile to Babylon. I don't know what that is. Uh, but it follows a team of trained operatives consisting of Snipes, Heche, Annabelle, and Rollins who find themselves trapped inside an isolated military compound after its artificial intelligence is suddenly shut down and then begin to experience strange and horrific phenomena. Sounds like Resident Evil. A little bit. I mean, without zombies, I guess. With other horrific phenomena. Well, I mean, we don't know what the horrific phenomena could be. What could be zombies. It could be zombies. <laughs> um... Gene Simmons says, I could not be more pleased that we are launching our first film for Erebus Pictures and have John on board to direct. I'm really looking forward to working with this fantastic cast, as well as Michael Luisi, president of WWE Studios, and the whole team at WWE. Uh, Wesley Snipes says, it's exciting to find myself in a genre I have always wanted to explore. Um, You were in Blade, Wesley. Guy. (laughs) Uh, We are looking forward to a great brand collaboration with Erebus, WWE, and Gene. It's great to receive a paycheck again because I was paying so many taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to pay your taxes this time, Wesley. Yeah. I don't I I mean, WWE Studios has like I liked Oculus. Yeah. Other than that, not much. Just duty cocky. Uh I mean, I see mean, no evil 2. See no evil 2 looked good. It was it was it was well made. It was kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's what we said in our review. It was like, 
I don't think anything that was done was the fault of the Saskas. Just the just, story was just crap. They got to drop the the Jacob Good Knight. Yeah, that's right. That's it's not a good character. Well, and like the beginning was just like, oh no, he's alive. <laughs> Why? Is, is, is he a mutant? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know Jason's come back to life, but they usually explain why or how. He didn't just wake up. They never did for Michael Myers. Uh, Have you not seen part six? (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) I'm just saying. Nobody, nobody, people pretend that doesn't exist. (laughs) That's that's such a fucking dumb cop out. (laughs) No, it is. It really is. I, I, I hate everything past three. Yeah. And you hate everything past two. Yeah. You, and I'm, you don't, I don't appreciate the genius of part three. Right. I mean, it does have Tom Atkins, so that's one thing. And his glorious mustache. <laughs> yeah, his power mustache. Power mustache. <laughs> Is that like a metal song? It's the Vandals. Oh. I'm not familiar with that one. You gotta listen to it. It's Apparently. About, it's about a power mustache and having one. <laughs> the act of having a power mustache. Anyway. So they also have, oh no wait, the lag wagon does Beard of Shame. All right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like Rollins. I think he's he's a good character in his, in his wrestling persona. So it'd be interesting to see how he does as an actor. I like Henry Rollins. Yeah. Have you watched, uh, was it He Never Died? It's on yeah. Netflix now. I've been interested to, to watch it. I think I... Went past it. I, I saw him in a frame. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if it's the same for you on your Chromecast, but like if you skip past movies, they'll show like a frame from the movie. It's uh, That's all on the tablet or phone or whatever you're using. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Um, Similar idea. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think he plays a cannibal on that. All right. So yeah, Temple coming sometime probably to VOD. Maybe it's secretly an adaptation of Legends of the Hidden Temple. They are making a Legends of the Hidden Temple movie. Oh, I know. Maybe this is it. I don't think this is it. Maybe it's it. It could be it. could be. Welcome to my breakdown. So, former guest, friend, fan of the Great Thought Podcast. I'm assuming, probably. Not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Jessica Cameron uh, is producing and co-directing a new movie uh, called An Ending. Um, she's uh, co-writing and directing with Josh Chiara, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, he was the DP on uh, Mania. Okay, which we still haven't seen. I'm hoping. I, I don't know if she's coming to Crypticon this year. She hasn't been announced, but I would, was kind of hoping she would show up with Mania. She, uh, I, I, I'm friends with her on Facebook, and I saw somebody ask her about Crypticon, and I got the impression she's not coming. So, boo. Yeah. She said she's cool. I mean, she, she sounded like she's fine with it because. Um, you know, two years in a row, and you know, a convention wants to kind of try to keep a rotating cast of guests. Fair enough. So, uh, maybe she'll just show up. <laughs> maybe she'll buy a ticket. Maybe. 
Um, starting to shoot at the end of April. Um, Jessica is going to star as she's going to be very busy with this one. Yeah. Um, she's starring as Florence, who's a woman who wakes up in a nightmare world after being rushed to a hospital for unknown reasons. Ominous. Also co-starring as what who appears to be her best friend, if you follow her online anywhere, uh, Heather Dorff, who also appeared in Truth or Dare. And also they have a Scream Queen stream together. Right. Yeah. Their what their web series. Uh, Heather starring as Colette, a woman who has been in the nightmare world much longer than Florence. And then Ollie, uh, Ali Farida as Molly, uh, who is a woman coming to terms with crushing guilt. That's not very descriptive. None of these descriptions help very much. No. <laughs> uh, okay. So it looked, uh, as the three women are stalked through the corridors of the nightmare world by something lurking in the shadows, they are split apart and each finds herself on her own personal journey. Again, not too terribly helpful. I'm detecting a little bit of maybe Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser 2. I was going to say a little bit of Hellraiser. Yeah. That's maybe a little bit of, a little bit of both. Oh, it's, it sounds interesting, and, you know, because we're kind of buddies with Jessica, I'll check out whatever she does, so. Yeah. Definitely want to, you know, help support her in any way we can. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, shooting at the end of April, I imagine a release date is forthcoming. Probably. At some point. At some point, yeah. Later, later this year. They'll probably give assume. a release date at some point. It's, Most likely. It's usually what they do. They're not just like, here's a movie. Actually. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well. <laughs> that snuck up on me. I didn't even know that was coming. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, wow. Did I mention more consummate professionals? <laughs> I'm not editing that out either. Good, don't. Most podcasters would, I think, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, no, I forgot what I was saying. Me too. Shit. You were saying, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, release dates. Oh, right. I mean, she's had how many movies that she was working on, and we still don't know when they're coming out. Like, Utero, do you remember? Do you ever hear anything about that? No. What's it up? was made. I know it was made. Yeah. I've seen stills from the movie. Yeah. Jessica, what's up with that? Let us know. <laughs> I'll so, let you boys. Yeah. Um and that that's it for that. <laughs> Remake of the horribly named "Mother May I Sleep with Danger." It sounds like a like one of those shitty romance novels. Yeah, <laughs> that um, you buy at the grocery store. <laughs> the original uh, movie was about a overly obsessive boyfriend, kind of in the vein of like Fear. 
I think I remember us specifically saying that it sounds a lot like fear. With Marky Mark Wahlberg. Right. Uh, Marky, as, as, as we said Marky, before. Marky Mark Wahlbergers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we said before, it's being remade and being produced by James Franco. Uh, apparently, the new version is going to be a lesbian story. So instead of being an overly obsessive boyfriend, it's going to be a girlfriend who's a vampire. Yeah, we're I threw not, that we're little twist in that. that <laughs> no, nope. we're making that up. That's we're not actu- making that up. God that's damn it. actually happening. Uh, the the movie is being filmed for Lifetime. So it's straight straight to TV. Uh, Lifetime describes it as a vampire love story that brings a whole new meaning to sleeping with danger. <sighs> Franco, what the fuck are you doing, man? I don't know. He thinks he's hot shit because he started a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> uh, when theater major Leah brings home the special someone in her life to meet her mom, Julie, the family is met with a surprise when Pearl comes to the door. Julie tries to embrace the idea of Leah's new love interest, but she can't shake the feeling that something is very wrong. Yeah, her daughter's a lesbian. Nobody knew that ahead of time. Apparently. (laughs) Uh, Julie's suspicions lead to a startlingly... A startling discovery. That's what this says. Yep. Press release. (laughs) There's a little, like, emoji with a guy with his tongue out and his, like, excellent fries. Sure. A uh, startling discovery about Pearl that puts Leah in serious danger. Will Julie be able to save her daughter from an eternity of heartache before it's too late? Probably. <laughs> uh, Leah is played by Leela George from The Long Home. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, it takes place in a Native American longhouse. Just a really long house. Yeah, like, uh, I think it was particularly the... Northwest Indians lived in longhouses. Okay. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Longhouses, teepees, and adobes. We have teepees. <laughs> uh, Julie is played by Tori Spelling, who was in the original version, but will be playing a different character in this one. Uh, Pearl is played by Emily Mead from Broad City, and they are joined by original cast member Ivan Sergei, as well as Nick Eversman from Wild. Wait, so Tori Spelling was in the original. Was this a Lifetime movie to begin with? I I want to say it was made for TV, but I don't think it was Lifetime. Because I feel like Lifetime puts Tori Spelling in movies. <laughs> yeah, they kind of like do what like they a, do. Like kind of a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's being directed by Melanie Aitkenhead. What? <laughs> that's not a good name <laughs> I think that's exactly what you said last time Did I? I think so <laughs> uh, Being written by Amber Coney uh, if Amber Coney Island Am- Amber Coney Island, yep Hot dogs Juniors Cheesecake Have you been to Coney Island? Yep yeah, Okay, yeah, you've told me it's not worth going, is it? Not really Yeah Unless you, I did like, watch part of the uh, the hot dog eating competition. Nice. Yeah, I could see it from the Empire State Building. The hot dog eating contest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, Coney Island. The uh, the cyclone, which is like their their roller coaster, the big main attraction. You could die. Huh? You could die on it. At, like you get off and you feel like you just got in a fight. Right. 
but but mostly they just punched your arms. <laughs> just banging against the sides of the car. Yeah, it's like you go on a corner and you're just like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> Maybe you should just, like when you expect to be going on it, just come wrapped in pillows. Or like bubble wrap. Yeah. You have to get a new bubble wrap every <laughs> like time. But P- Pierce's pillow costume from Community. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you feel like watching this, uh, don't. But if you're still committed, then uh, it airs on Lifetime on June 18th in honor of the original's 20th anniversary. Good. This is what we need to be celebrating. Yeah. The 20th anniversary of Mother May I Sleep with Danger <laughs> by remaking it with lesbian vampires. Well, you got to be new age. And put vampires in it. (laughs) Because that's so, like, now. Right. Vampires are now. Vampires are so hot right now. (laughs) This life is short. Maybe that's a fact. Sons of Anarchy creator Kurt Sutter uh, is becoming involved with an upcoming horror comic book series. Um, he's going to be collaborating with Caitlin Kittridge, uh, who is a comic book writer. I'm not sure what she's worked on. Taylor, research. Um, and art by Jesus Hervas. Don't know who he is either a good start um it's uh, described as a new violent supernatural series and it's going to be called lucas stand okay caitlin kittridge um wait these are novels where's the comics uh coffin hill okay not familiar but somebody might be uh, they announced this at WonderCon, which was what last month, or I think. I think so. End of last month. Yeah. Uh, the series, uh, the titular special ops soldier, Lucas, I assume, uh, attempts to Hence commit titular. Titular. Right. Lucas Stand, probably. Is his name Lucas Stand? Or I believe so. Okay. Um. Uh, he's a special ops soldier who attempts to commit suicide after finding himself unable to integrate back into society. PTSD is real, people. Um, only for the angel Gabriel to save him and subsequently cut him a deal. If he becomes a literal avenging angel and goes after escaped demons from hell. This sounds very familiar. Sounds like Constantine. Sounds, uh, it sounds like his Reaper. Yeah. Except it was the devil. Right. It was Ray Wise. <laughs> right. Uh, he will be spared from the eternal damnation himself with every demon he kills resulting in one of his own sins being redeemed not a bad deal Um, no damn good deal if you ask me especially if you only like did like a handful of sins yeah us though we'd need like we'd need to kill so many so demons so many demons uh, Jesus Hervas apparently did art for uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser comic okay so it'll probably look pretty slick then yeah uh, God, I mean, this sounds like something else, and I can't think of what, but I mean, I don't know that I'd consider this really a 
original. It does sound derivative. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's just not, I mean, it does, it's not something we haven't seen before. Not bad. Uh, and, you know, this guy's special ops, so he, you know, he knows how to whoop some ass. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, issue number one of Lucas Stand uh, hit stores on June 1st from Boom, Boom! Studios. <laughs> uh, moving on to Remains. Uh, the new Tales from the Crypt series, of course, being resurrected by Manite Shyamalan. Uh, not for HBO, but for TNT. TNT? Uh, turns out it may be anthology after all. There was rumors from a certain website that it was going to be a season-long anthology right? instead of episode by episode. Like American Horror Story. Right. Uh, Shyamalan, again at WonderCon, said, You know, I can't say 100%, but I'm thinking right now where I am. If you asked me this six months ago, I would have had a different answer. But where I am right now is it's more individual Black Mirror kind of stuff right now. Uh, Black Mirror is an anthology series wherein a new story is told in each episode. You know, the fact that he is jumping around when they're trying to start making the fucking thing doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me. This is true. And plus, I already don't like him. And we know there's not going to be, like, there's going to be a Crypt Keeper character, but it's not going to be the original Crypt Keeper because that is property of HBO. Right. And you'd think that they could negotiate some licensing here. Right. Because if they could get the title, yeah, like Tales from the Crypt, why can't you work out a deal to get the Crypt Keeper? Well, it's like I mean, maybe HBO doesn't own the property of Tales from the Crypt. I suppose that's self. Just they own the image of the Crypt Keeper. Whatever. Just get John Cassier to do the fucking voice. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds like what they're going to have is like the the Crypt Keeper from the comics, which is just like an old man. Yeah. Which just. But regardless, just have John Cassier do the voice. <laughs> I don't care if it's Kermit the Frog. Have John Cassier do the voice. <laughs> uh, Good Night Mommy, the team behind that. Um, Which are, people liked for some reason. Yeah, not these people. Not these people at all. You can go back and listen at to all. our review of that if you want to know why. Yeah. Uh, but, mean, it, but many people did enjoy it. Because they, it's foreign, so they had to like it. Oh, yeah. It's artsy. Yeah. <sighs> They're reu- the team behind the movie uh, is reuniting for a movie called The Fortress. <clears throat> Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala are the people. Um, from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, they're saying Universal is in... Fu- Universal, huh? Uh, okay. Um, the final negotiations on The Fortress, a horror pitch that Franz and Fiala will both write and direct... The details are being kept uh, kept secret right now, but uh, apparently the story is centering on a group of refugees hidden aboard a container ship who discover their passage to safety is not what it seems. That's very, very, very broad. Yeah. Uh, Mezco Toys is going to be releasing a new Good Guys doll in the vein of Mr. Charles Lee Ray. Uh, it's going to be a 15-inch doll. Authentic film-accurate detail, including overalls, shirt, and unique imprint on bottoms of shoes. Uh, it's going to have an all-new head sculpt to reflect the original design. Yeah, it's not going to be like busted-up Chucky or even uh, 
you know, Chucky as he appears when he's being himself. It's going to be like like an actual like good guy's doll. Right. Yeah. Uh, the but there will be a button on the back that will activate four phrases from the film, but no specifics on what those phrases are. If I had to guess, I'd say, "Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play?" Yeah, would be one of them. Yeah, and we'll be best friends till the end, and you know, probably hidey ho. Yeah, and a laugh, and probably fuck you. Right. I muted you, you son of a bitch. There's that professionalism. Did I mention we're consummate professionals? Uh, it's going to come in a collector-friendly window box inspired by the film. So that's, of course, the box that it appears in the movie. Yeah. Um, it's going to be available for pre-order, or available now for pre-order from Mezco Toys. That's toys with a Z uh, and M-E-Z-C-O-T-O-Y-Z.com. Uh, will be delivered in the fall, probably September or October, and it's going to run you $94. It's, it's pricey. That's a pretty penny for for a doll. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a collector, then fuck it. Uh, <laughs> kind of a side story. My wife was telling me yesterday that she was driving home from work, and she looked over, and the guy Ooh. next. My wife. There you go. <laughs> um, she was driving home from work yesterday, and she looked over, and the guy next to her had a fucking Chucky doll in the passenger seat. In the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, the Last of Us movie adaptation is stuck in development hell, which I think most of us already knew. Or um, at least expected. Yeah. Or not expected, but uh, assumed. Right. Um, speaking with IGN, Naughty Dogs, uh, who's the game developer, um, Neil Druckmann revealed that the adaptation is basically dead in the water. I uh, said, I know, I said in an interview a while back that we had a table read, got the script to a good place, and it kind of entered development hell like these things tend to do. Uh, there hasn't been any work done on it in over a year and a half. That's disappointing. But, I mean, The Last of Us isn't exactly zombies. It's kind of like a, a, a spin on zombies. Yeah. Just the you know, post-apocalyptic monster things. Um, but I mean, we've talked about this before, just the, the landscape being so just saturated right now. Maybe. The zombie landscape. Yeah. Um, the only real rumor as far as casting that I am familiar with, I mean, maybe there were others, but I can't remember them, uh, was that Maisie Williams from, uh, Game of Thrones and she did a stint on Doctor Who, um, she was or is going to be starring as Ellie in the film. But I don't know. I mean, uh, Maisie Williams, she's late teens, early 20s. She still looks very young. She just has one of those faces. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's going to come to a point where she's going to reach an age where she, she won't pass for a teenager anymore. Right. Um, and then they, if I mean, if she actually is attached, they're probably gonna have to look elsewhere. But anyway, uh, the adaptation of the Japanese manga series Death Note is being moved to Netflix. Uh, this was originally picked up by Warner Brothers. Uh, it's being directed by Adam Wingard, who of course directed Your Next Wingard. as well as The Guest, uh, but not being written by his partner Simon Barrett. Uh, it's actually being written by someone else 
who his name I don't know. Uh, it's being Jeff. It's Jeff. Dahmer. No. Nope. Jeff. Jeff Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not him. Uh, <laughs> starring Nat Wolf and Margaret Qualley. Uh, Wolf plays a student who discovers a supernatural notebook that allows him to kill anyone simply by writing their name. A cat and mouse game ensures, ensues when he's tracked by a reclusive police officer. This is going to start filming in June and will come out probably sometime next year, like I said, on Netflix. I don't know. I mean, Netflix is pretty good about banging things out pretty quick. That's true. I mean, I guess they have. I don't know. They've, they've For somebody who just recently has jumped into the, the original, well, not recently, but like has like really kind of delved into the original content scheme. Like they seem to think got things on lock. I mean, like it, it, when they first started, it seemed like think going straight to Netflix was like the new straight to video. It was just like, you know, Oh, it it sucks. So it's going straight to Netflix, but not anymore. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one of the movies we're reviewing is straight to Netflix. Right. Uh, this is not what I wanted to hear about this. <laughs> uh, some potential casting news slash rumors about uh, uh, the new Predator movie. Uh, Curtis Jackson, who you may know better as 50 Cent. 50. Um, told uh, Shade 45, uh, which is who is a serious XM host, as well as 99 Jams Uncensored. I don't know what the fuck these things are. I think that's also a serious XM. He went on two serious XM shows? I think so. Okay. Really spreading out. Okay. Um, he said, uh, Hey, you heard of the movie Predator? And they're probably like, yeah, heard of it. And he's like, I might be a project part of that. God damn it. I might be a part of that project this summer. And they were like, didn't that come out like in the eighties? <laughs> uh, I don't know why this is in quotations. Did somebody say that? Uh, yeah. Who? Uh, I believe it was Shane Black. Okay. Well, so maybe Shane Black said <laughs> it's an inventive sequel to the 1987 classic Predator. I don't know what that means. Inventive sequel. I don't know. Uh, it's being, as I said, been written by Shane Black uh, and Fred Decker, uh, being directed by Shane Black. Uh, we mentioned in a previous episode that it might star, or at least feature, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, possibly returning as Dutch. Fingers crossed. Uh, it's set to start shooting this summer and planning to be in theaters March 2nd, 2018. So they need almost two years to make a movie. I mean, it's probably going to be a fucking CGI nightmare. Probably, but two years? I mean, really? I don't know. I mean, like Marvel movies are primarily CGI and I feel like they make them faster than that. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. So, that's all for Horror Business. Um, we actually have an interview this episode. Hooray! Uh, after, what, is two-episode hiatus? Uh, or was it more? There's at least two. Was it? Okay, well, then it was two. 
All right. Um, anyway, we talked to a very lovely lady who um, has her own cooking, internet cooking show with a slight macabre twist to it. Uh, we spoke with the homicidal homemaker, Casey Hansen. She puts the cleaver in June Cleaver. Ah. Uh, she is the Martha Stewart of the macabre. The homicidal homemaker, Casey Hansen. Yep. Shut up. Let the, let the interview play. Idiot. Hey, good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? Hey everyone, this is Skeletoni and Taylor of Terror. Uh, we're here with a special guest today, uh, lady that's uh, kind of multi-dimensional, but uh, I think probably primarily known as the homicidal homemaker. We're here with Casey Hansen. How you doing, Casey? Good. How are you guys? Well, very well. Quite well. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. It's a it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so I guess we might as well just kind of jump right into things. Um, why don't you go ahead and start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe how how you kind of got interested in horror to begin with. Well, ooh, that's a big question to start <laughs> off with. Um, well, actually, how I got into horror to begin with, um, to be quite honest, I, I hated horror films when I was a little kid. <gasps> My parents were big fans, though, and converted me over to the dark side, the better <laughs> side, I should say. So um, that's kind of how it started. They would watch them from the time, from my earliest memories um, are watching horror films. I remember, I had to have been like two or three, and I remember them watching the original Fly, and it just scared me so much. And as I got older, um, I would cover my eyes, but I would still want to look. I would peek through my fingers, and my mom would tell me, well, it's not real. Why are you so scared? And that's where the fascination began at such an early age. I wanted to know if this was scaring me so much and it wasn't real, then how were they doing that? And I wanted to know absolutely everything about movies. I wanted to know about the special effects. I wanted to know who the actors were, who the directors were. And that's just really how it started off. So um, I blame my parents and I thank them for that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as for the homicidal homemaker, well, I started um, Central Valley Horror Club in 2008 um, just because there really wasn't like a horror following in my area. And I didn't like the idea that I had to drive three hours either north or south to attend zombie crawls and and horror-themed events and conventions. And I said I wanted to bring that to the Central Valley, even if it was on a smaller scale. And I didn't know if it would take off, but fortunately it did. And ever since, I've hosted uh, horror screenings for free and welcome to all ages every month. But I do give the disclaimer that it's up to you what your kid can see or hear. (laughs) And... um, And I would often uh, bake. I I got really into cake decorating. So I would, uh, you know, obviously the horror influence crept its way into my kitchen, and I would start bringing horror-themed goodies, and people just started asking, like, how did you do that? And if I posted them online, they wanted to know how to do it. So that's kind of how the idea of the Homicidal Homemaker was born. I, um, you know, it was just, I guess you could say, naturally me. (laughs) And... (laughs) And um, I wanted to bring that to where other people could learn. And I had the idea, and I tossed it around for a few years before I actually launched the website. And I did launch the website in 2012 um, in February, so it kind of coincided with Women in Horror Month, which was really cool. 
and immediately people started showing an interest and people started actually making the recipes, which was really, really awesome. And uh, fast forward a few years later, after sponsoring events and doing different things, I actually got the cooking show launched. So that's been very exciting. Cool. Um, so I, I took a look at the Homicidal Homemaker the website and I watched your videos and um, all looks like a lot of fun stuff. Um, have you? I mean, have you been getting a pretty good uh, response? I mean, you said you know people are making your recipes and and that's cool. Um, I mean, are you, like as far as like I guess uh, an internet response, are you are you, are you noticing people are following you in? in yeah, it, it's been it's been really really incredible. Um, a lot of people who followed my blog for years, they saw the episodes and they got really excited. But I've also uh, reached so many new people who didn't know anything about the blog and had no idea that there was a website that offered horror-themed recipes and tutorials. So that's been really, really incredible just to reach a new fan base just by going on to YouTube. Yeah, I just saw you were featured on bloodydisgusting.com, so that's pretty cool. That was very exciting because I'm a big fan of Bloody Disgusting. So when I saw that, I, I uh, woke up and I had some alerts on Twitter and I saw it and I about jumped out of my skin. So that that was really, really cool. And I was also featured on Dread Central the, the same week and I'm big fan, fans of theirs as well. So that was super awesome. Very cool. Um, so do you have people like send you their own recipes? Um, I've had people, like recently, um, since launching the show, I did have a couple people that sent me a favorite recipe of theirs, and they asked if I could give it a horror twist. But for the most part, everything that I've done has been um, 100% original creations. But I am open to new ideas and um, suggestions. I did um, open up an email address for people to send their questions or if they have um, an idea that they'd like to see me create. Um but yeah, it's everything I've comes out of my twisted mind, I guess you could say. <laughs> and it, it's cool because I, I didn't know, you know, when I launched the blog and also when launching the cooking show, I didn't know if people would actually do it because some of the recipes are a little complex and I realized that a lot of people are new to cooking. So some of those kind of scared them off um, kind of in the wrong way. I want I want my recipes to scare people, but not completely scare them away, away from cooking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I did start to try to do things that were easier and were more inexpensive because it's never fun to look at a recipe and you want to make it and then you realize there's a billion ingredients that you don't have on hand or some of them are expensive or it only requires like a tablespoon of it and you have to buy a whole thing. So I try to um, keep that in mind. A lot of the uh, aspiring homicidal homemakers are actually children, I found out or young teens, a lot of people are getting their kids involved in the kitchen. So I think that's awesome because there's um, there was one uh, viewer who has been cooking with her four-year-old, and she said her four-year-old looks forward to the episodes every, every other week, and they've actually made two of the recipes that I've had on my show so far. So that does... Um, I have been trying to keep that in mind just to keep them easier, and um, if anyone does have any recommendations, I'm, I'm welcome to... I welcome them. So you're corrupting the youth of America. <laughs> I wouldn't say corrupting. I, I think making them making them more awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's probably better. Um, just, I mean, without going into like a lot of detail, can you just give us uh, some examples of your recipes? Well, my first um, 
my first episode of the Homicidal Homemaker Cooking Show, I did feature one of my most popular recipes from the website, which are my edible entrails. And that has been featured on uh, Fearnet Rest in Peace and on Chiller TV. And it's just been one of um, kind of the go-to zombie recipes or cannibal-themed recipes on my blog. And I wanted to have that as the first episode just because it is inexpensive and easy. But I did do a twist on it. So some of the things that you'll see on my show are my most popular recipes, but with a new twist on them and completely new recipes like um, episode two. Um, in honor of Twin Peaks Day, I did my Twin Peaks Black Lodge cherry pie, which if anyone's a fan of Twin Peaks, they know that they consume an, a massive amount of coffee and cherry pie. <laughs> so um, I wanted to do something that was for Twin Peaks in, in honor of Twin Peaks Day, but I didn't want to just do a cherry pie. And it, if, are you guys familiar with Twin Peaks? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, we're from Washington, so of course we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So um, I wanted to incorporate the Black Lodge into it. And so um, traditionally, the Black Forest cake flavors are chocolate and cherry. So I kind of wanted to um, incorporate that into the pie. That would be my twist on a cherry pie. It would be a Black Forest cherry pie. And so I did, um, I wanted to tie it into the Black Lodge. So Black Forest, Black Lodge. And then I, I made the lattice crust. Instead of a lattice, I made it like the chevron, like the floors of the Black Lodge. And so that was episode two. And um, episode three, we did our Nightmare on Elm Street Soul Pizza. So that was a lot of fun to film that one. <laughs> and um, and then I did another one, my uh, zombie finger food, which is a very, very simple appetizer. Or you can make it a main course. And I wanted that to coincide with um, the season finale of The Walking Dead because I knew everybody would be looking for recipes for their parties. And then we did try to do a cup, um, something new this past week. I wanted to do a product review and a cocktail because a lot of my viewers, they've been asking for some uh, ghoulish spirit, so to speak. <laughs> so uh, that's what I did. But on my website, I do have some easier ones. Like I have um, my fresh meat, red velvet rice crispy treats, which look just like raw meat when you make them. They're really gross, but I swear they taste really good. <laughs> and... Um, Another one of my really popular recipes was um, my blood-soaked sea salt, brown butter sea salt caramel caramel corn. So um, that, that, that's a mouthful right there. <laughs> um, I did that um, in honor of American Horror Story Freak Show, and that one has been a go-to one. That is probably one of the most easy recipes, but it's one of the most popular. And then I've done uh, several recipes for General Mills Monster Cereals. Um, I did uh, my monster chow, which is super good. It's it's kind of like puppy chow with Chex Mix, but you just replace it with monster cereal. And um, and I I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's so many. I've done some really gross meatloaf recipes <laughs> that look like human heads. Um, I'm getting really I hungry have, over here. <laughs> <laughs> I do have um, some that I have featured that are going to be in my upcoming cookbook so I haven't actually put the recipes on there um, just kind of like a little teaser like I have some eyeball gnocchi um, with visceral pasta <laughs> nice I bet you get a so, big spike around Halloween yes that is definitely my most popular month is October February and October because February is usually when the walking dead returns mm. so I do notice a big spike in traffic there um, but yeah October's crazy 
I mean, I get so many hits on my blog. I get around, on average, like sixty to 80,000 a month unique Jeez. hits. Um, but in October, sometimes it's like 100,000, like on the first wow. week. So it, it gets pretty crazy. And I love it. I want I want people to make the recipes, and I want them to send me pictures, too. I get a big kick out of that. We uh, we take over Tony's sister's house every every Halloween, so I think this year we're going to have to force her to cook some of your stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to see photos. So uh, let's, you know, I said at the beginning that you're kind of multidimensional. I mean, you're not just a homicidal homemaker. <laughs> um, why don't we talk about some of the other things that you've uh, kind of been to? You said you started, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it was the Central... Uh, Central Valley Horror Club. Right. Right. Uh, and you, you do uh, movie screenings, uh, but why don't you kind of elaborate on uh, on that and uh, and what that club is into? Well, that that's been a really really awesome experience. Um, like I mentioned before, there just wasn't a horror following around here, and I knew that there were other people that were into the same things. And I really just started the club to try to find like minded weirdos. <laughs> and um, I started at a little pizza place um, that wasn't on the greatest side of town, but they were willing to let us show horror movies there. And um, I thought maybe like five people would show up when we had like 30 at our first meeting, which was really, really cool. And um, yeah, I just invite people to come out. I always have them for free because everybody should be able to enjoy a movie. Um, we're not about making a profit. We're about making friends and having a sense of community here. And um you know, we want everyone to spend their money on pizza and beer when they come out. We want them to rip the movies with us. Even if we love the movies, it's always fun to make, you know, poke fun at them. Mm-hmm. And um, after a few years, we did expand into a larger city. I I live in Visalia, but Fresno is a, a larger city, and it's about half an hour away. So I did start expanding over there and started hosting them at a brewery. And that's where the fun really, really got started. <laughs> um the, I mean, we would have, we started doing themed potlucks with the events. Like we did one for Troll 2, and then we did one for Dead Alive. And so the Troll 2 one was insane. Like, we, we asked that everybody bring anything that they want as long as it was green colored. It could either naturally be green, like a vegetable, or you could add uh, ridiculous amounts of food dye to it, which is what <laughs> most people did. And uh, that was fun. We encouraged costumes, and it was free to participate. And uh, we had many people show up with branches sticking out of their head and green <laughs> slime and wearing no-box shirts, and it was it was a blast. And just to see that in a few years that I've been able to unite all of these people and make so many new friends has been really cool because this is something that I wish that I had when I was younger just because I've been a lifelong resident of the Central Valley and I really, really wish that there would have been something like this for me when I was younger. But now there's people that bring their kids and their teenagers. And, and um, you know, I'm hoping that this becomes like a tradition for them, like it has with our zombie ball and crawl, which was, um, I started that in 2009. There had never been any zombie-themed events in the area whatsoever. And this was still when, like, vampires were kind of all the rage. Um, zombies hadn't really taken front and center like they have now. I mean, it seems like everywhere you go, there's zombies, um, which mm-hmm. is rad. <laughs> and uh, I, everybody thought I was out of my mind, which I probably am. But I decided to do a zombie ball and crawl in Visalia, and I decided to do it in August because I, I kind of wanted it to be the kickoff for the other events I was going to do in October, which at the time I was doing a vampire ball because I thought that was going to you know, be what really took off. 
and Visalia in August, we don't have a lot of um, stores where you can get costume supplies or makeup supplies. So people had to really use what they had, which mm-hmm. made it way more fun. You know, they were going online looking up recipes on how to make fake skin and add oats and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. They were going into their kitchen. So it, it was really, really cool to see that. But um, we did continue to do it every year since, and we've moved it to the first weekend in October, and it has become one of the most talked about events in the city, and it's inspired many other events, uh, zombie-themed events, to pop up through the Central Valley. So um, that, that's that been a really, really fun experience, too. And, um, you know, we're always doing something. We always just um, want to bring people together. We want them to utilize their creative sides, and, and it's even more awesome when we see people that are entire families doing it. They'll bring... Um, their kid will be zombified and will be in a stroller and they'll be pushing them down the street on the <laughs> zombie crawl. And even we've had some zombie dogs on it. So just because I started Central Valley Horror Club and I went into that, I mean, it's um, it's just been an incredible experience and we've made so many friends because of it. And uh, I really hope that we can continue to do this as long as we can. And um, a lot of people, they say that, you know, they look forward to the movie every month and it's inspired them to start, you know, hosting their own events and um, just create this big community of all of us that were kind of called nerds back in the past. Well, now now the nerds are the cool people. Right. <laughs> we always were, but nobody realized it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of inspiring. I mean, even I think for us, because we have, we actually have like a kind of a, a special program on our show call it drunken cinema it's basically we just get blasted and uh record kind of like a dvd commentary and then then people can kind of watch along while we just ramble (laughs) Um, that sounds amazing that sounds like what i do on my spare time (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we figured we do that anyway we might as well record it while we're doing it so um but we kind of attempted to start uh, a live version of that where we host uh, a screening and we just kind of spout off, you know, tr- fun trivia, but, you know, also just kind of rip movies and, and, um, and, and talk about them and, you know, encourage the audience to do it too. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it was yeah, a lot get, of, get some, get some alcohol on them and they'll really start yelling. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, we did one of those and then we kind of lost our venue. Um, so we are, still on the hunt for another one but it's it's kind of inspiring to know that that kind of thing can't happen um and uh you know you said you said you started the club i mean was that a single-handed thing or did you have like kind of a team um it was just me i i had this idea and um i actually just started this is way back in the myspace days still <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and so i actually just made a myspace profile and i put it out there and people started sharing it and um I made a flyer. Um, the first thing I showed was uh, Day of the Dead. I wanted to show Gates of Hell, but I felt like I needed to have something that pe- a name that people were a little bit more familiar with. Mm-hmm. So um, I did show a Romero one because I knew people were more familiar with his name rather than Fulci's name. I'm like, I can't throw them right into a Fulci one. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so you got to grow that. into Fulci. <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of pushed it a little bit too. I mean, it was on... <laughs> I showed Black Christmas and um, not thinking about some of the dialogue in there. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, the venue, it was um, 
it was on a not-so-great side of town that didn't get a whole lot of foot traffic, and the restaurant was divided on the two sides, so we didn't have to worry too much. But then the restaurant owner decided to move across town into a, a bigger venue that was in a very popular area. So um, we moved over there, and I had to be a little bit more mindful of what I played just because um, we, we were doing them on a Wednesday night in Visalia. And on Wednesday night, there were a lot of, like, church groups that would want to go out to eat afterwards. So I noticed some of them started rolling in, and I didn't want to, like, get the venue in trouble or anything like that. So I started to be a little bit more mindful and not push it so much when, um, as when I did when they were on the not-so-great side of town. And then he unfortunately closed, and I moved to another venue, which was in the downtown area, which is very popular. And then they closed, and then... Um, moved to another venue, and then we kind of outgrew that one. So I'm actually in the same boat trying to look for a new venue in Visalia at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rough. It's tough <laughs> because I have a lot of 21 and over venues that want to host it, but I there's not a lot for people to do that are minors around here, and I think that we should include them. If their parents are going to let them see the movie, then I think that we should welcome them Um you know, there's a lot of parents that they would message us saying, is it okay? My 15-year-old wants to come. I'm like, if, if you're okay with it, then definitely. Yeah. So um, it's important for me to keep it open to all ages. It's not like little kids run amok around there. Um, a few people bring their kids. But at most of the pizza places, there's like arcade games on the other side. So a lot of them, they just go over there and play if they don't want to watch it. But um, for the teenagers, I mean, there's nothing like that for them. So um, I think it's important to um, have that influence on them because you never know when, when they're my age, maybe they'll take over what I'm doing or maybe they'll do their own thing. And uh, I just think that's important because I look back to when I was younger, there weren't a lot of venues that were all ages, so I couldn't even go enjoy a lot of the bands that I like. Mm-hmm. And there definitely weren't any public horror screenings. So that's actually what spawned it because my friends and I we would get together in somebody's living room and somebody would say oh well my so my friend's sister's cousin's brother you know wants to come but we didn't want to start inviting all these strangers into our friend's house so that's where the idea to bring them to a public venue took place and I just hope that we can keep doing and it's been a blast and you know some of my closest friends I've met them through the club and I never would have met them otherwise and there's a lot of people who they, they've mentioned that they've had social anxiety and have had trouble making friends, and coming to the club has helped them with that. So that's that's very, very heartwarming. Yeah, that's cool. So um, I encourage everyone out there, if you're thinking about doing that, do it, please. It keeps the, the love for the movies alive and keeps the genre uh, ever-changing and growing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's... it's, it's it... You know, you, you bring up a good point about kind of uh, sharing it with the next generation because, I mean, I guess from even our perspective, that's not necessarily something that we've really taken into account is that, you know, you got to share it with, with the kids so they can basically grow up to be us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so we can keep having more generations of awesome people. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned a cookbook. What's the, what's the status of that? Well, I've been working on it for a while, but then I just keep getting more and more projects on my plate, and that kind of throws a wrench in the gears, but it is happening. Um, Production with the show kind of took front and center, obviously, and so I am working on the cookbook in the little spare time that I have, but um, that's very exciting because there will be a chapter of cocktails and also um, drinks that are, you know, non-alcoholic, 
and there will be appetizers, desserts, main courses, and I'm hoping to put a couple of tutorials in there as well. Do you have a publisher for that, or is it something you're looking to kickstart? Or um, I'm doing I'm self-publishing. Um, I'll do um, once I get everything squared away. I'm planning to do a pre-sale. Um, I haven't really considered doing a Kickstarter. I just figured I would um, get it going and put it out there and um, self-publish. And I do hope to have a series of them. I wanted to do themed ones, like ones that are cannibal-themed and zombie-themed and, you know, just different subgenres of horror. I'm hoping down the road I can do, you know, mini cookbooks and have a whole collection of them. It's awesome. Um, so I guess would you say that the the – the cooking show is your kind of main focus right now or yeah for for right now and um i'm hoping it will be for a while you know we want to see how um the first year goes and we've had a really really great response so far which has been really incredible um you know just to see everything come to life finally it's it's been very very amazing um i've had this idea for years, actually right after I started the blog, I wanted to bring video to it because there were a lot of recipes that that were hard to, you know, photograph because I on my website, 100% of everything I did myself. I, I did the layout for my website, um, all of the graphic design, all of the photography, all of the very writing. Very catchy, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. That was a, that's version 2.0 of my website it was very long overdue I the first version um I was content with but you know as an artist you always want to upgrade and it was really hard to find the time to do it so I was glad that I finally was able to get version 2.0 um up last year before the launch of the uh, cooking show but everything on the website I did myself and um it, it was a little hard sometimes when I'm cooking something that has a very complex step or I need to be very descriptive on how to do it. It's hard to show that while trying to photograph it. So that's why I wanted to bring video to the to the website. Mm-hmm. And finding the right crew was the difficult part. Um, I had a lot of people who showed interest, but they just didn't see my vision. Like, they just didn't get it. Um, it it was hard. And then I was going to um, actually get to the point where I was going to try to film it myself when I don't have much uh, filmmaking experience. I've, I've been a little involved, but not enough to where I would say I'm an expert by any means. And uh, when I got set up with Neptune Cinema through um, a mutual friend, at first um, he was so enthusiastic about um, about helping that I was a little hesitant to talk to him at first and tell him my ideas. But um, after seeing his work, I was very, very impressed. And uh, I let him in on what my ideas were. And he started sketching. And fortunately, he he definitely saw my vision and brought it to life. So it's been been a very long process. We started um, shooting last year. We actually released some trailers, I believe, last July. And that kind of like blew up like people were freaking out when they saw the trailer and I mean you couldn't all you saw were my hands preparing something and people were like freaking out about it when is this coming out and I I I couldn't even keep up with the messages so um you know it's just been incredible I I really don't know what to say except that I'm so grateful for the team that I have I have the best crew imaginable Um, I'm so very lucky and um, everybody's so committed to the project, and I couldn't ask for a better team of friends to help me. And you said that's you have new episodes every other week? 
yeah, every other week, um, we are hoping to increase those as, as the audience grows. Like we're, we're planning to do more product reviews and more behind the scenes stuff. So as the audience um, grows a little bit more, we'll start re- releasing content more frequently. But as for the cooking show episodes, those will come out biweekly. And what day does the, do those come out? Uh, every other Wednesday. Oh, hey, just um, like around, us. <laughs> around noon. Yeah, Wednesday, I think, is a good time of the week because Monday everybody's going back to work and they're kind of in zombie mode, or at least I am, more so than I am every day. <laughs> but uh, Friday, you know, everybody's focusing on the weekend, so I thought Wednesday was a good time to, to uh, unleash them upon the world. Yeah. For us, it was just when we first started, you know, we record on Saturday and I did all the editing and Taylor just texted me and said hey when's the episode gonna be ready I said uh, i don't know probably wednesday and it just kind of stuck <laughs> so well i think that's a good rule of thumb it's it's right in the middle of the week and gives you time gives people time to get out of the weekend mode and yeah actually focus on things so i think that's a, a good good day <laughs> yeah you definitely got to read your audience i'm sorry my phone cut out a little bit oh i say you definitely got to read your audience to, yeah. to know the best time but all right well um i think we'll kind of wrap things up here um can uh, we ask you to you know, plug your plug your websites and your your twitter and absolutely you can uh, find my website at the homicidalhomemaker.com and i'm also on youtube at youtube.com slash homicidal homemaker and i'm also on facebook at you guessed it facebook.com slash homicidal homemaker as well as Instagram, Instagram.com slash Homicidal Homemaker. And because Twitter doesn't allow me to have my full name on there on Twitter, I am a Homicidal Casey, which is K-A-C-I. Cool. And if anyone does have um, a cooking question or, um, or you know, a suggestion, they can feel free to send me an email at ask at thehomicidalhomemaker.com. Just as a forewarning, you may not get the answer that you were anticipating. If you watch my Twin Peaks episode, you'll get a good example of that. Um, <laughs> but I do encourage very outrageous questions because of that. Cool. All right, and well, I am hoping... Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I am hoping to do a contest very soon. So for anyone who is a cook, um, I do want to have a contest. I don't know if it would be to recreate one of my recipes or to send in an original creation, but I do want to have a photo contest pretty soon. So um, sharpen your knives and and get ready to get in the kitchen and get your hands messy because I want to give away some cool prizes. Cool. All right. Well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I uh, just wish you the best of luck in uh, all your thank projects. Thank you so much. I uh, hope to talk to you again sometime. Oh, I'd, I'd love to come back. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thanks again. All right, again. thanks for having me. Uh, have a great weekend. You thanks, too. you too. Take care. Bye. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. It's right off the highway. Wobble dee, wobble dee, drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way, a very small percent of the time. So, like I said before, lovely lady. Go check her out. Uh, um, and make some stuff. And send it to her. Yeah. I mean, 
Send, don't, don't send the send food pictures. To yeah, that won't last in no. the mail. <laughs> just send her. A, I mean, if you want to send us some food, that's cool. No, I don't want that. I mean, what if they're like, like cookies, and they're like sealed in the Tupperware? No, <laughs> I don't eat food from strangers. I'm sorry. That's a fair point. <laughs> I think we should. Uh, when Twin Peaks comes back next year, I think we should do like a, a premiere party and maybe make some of that, that Black Lodge pie she was talking about. Okay. Yeah. I've never made a cherry pie, but I'm, I'm game. Well, I'm, that's, that's why we have wives and girlfriends. <laughs> to get in the kitchen. To and be your mommy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can all dress like Twin Peaks characters. Dibs on Cooper. <laughs> Dibs on the simplest guy. <laughs> You can be log lady. Okay, I'll just get myself a, a bit of wood. Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> yeah, check out my wood. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll just do our reviews now, because that's what we do in our episodes. We have a formula. Horror business interview reviews. We're very formulaic and boring and <laughs> predictable. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag. Okay, you just been, tricked you. No you, reviews. End of the end of the episode. You've Fuck been you. Petting my blanket for like the past. It's got uh, <laughs> got pills in it, so I'm just not not like medicinal pills, but. Fuzzballs. Well, it's weird. Like, keep looking over and you're just like stroking it. This is what pussies do. Stroke feel like the in furry the 70s. walls. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> anyway. Yo, she made yummy mummy fudge. That sounds bomb. She did. She made a uh, fucking Frankenberry. Frankenberry chow. monster chow and Count Chocula monster chow and Count Chocula chip cookies. Oh, goddamn. I know. I saw those and I'm like, I'm going to go make that. But then I realized I couldn't because I couldn't no find Count Chocolate. Oh, I don't really like Count. I'm not. I don't like chocolate cereals. I want these Count Chocolate chip cookies. <clears throat> Halloween, man. Halloween, man. As long as this isn't like the one year they don't do it for some reason. It probably will be with our luck. Yeah. Fucking assholes. I mean, just got to remember to actually. Do Pumpkin it. cheesecake truffles. Good God! I need to stop looking at this. <laughs> Getting hungry, fatty. Yeah, I am. Anyway, so our reviews, because I tricked you again, we actually do have reviews. Ah, suckers. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's do Hush.
So Hush uh, just came out on Netflix, uh, written and directed by Mike Flanagan. If you don't have Netflix, you can watch it. Uh, written and directed by Mike Flanagan, who wrote and directed Oculus. Actually, interesting point. Sorry. Both of these movies, there's a relative difficulty into seeing them. I suppose. I mean, if you don't have Netflix, you can't watch this one. If the other one just happens to not be playing near you, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, this is true. It's, uh, yeah, limited theaters. Anyway. Um, written and directed by Mike Flanagan, writer and director of Oculus. Uh, co-written along with his wife, um, Katie Siegel. Or Kate, Kate Siegel. Katie. It is Katie? Mm. Okay. Uh, I realized today while I was watching it that when I first saw her name... I was thinking of uh, Katie Seagal, who is the mom from Married with Children. Yeah. Wait, no, I was thinking of somebody else. You're thinking of Steven Seagal. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. That's the one. Um, yeah, co-written by Katie Siegel, uh, who also stars as Maddie. Siegel. Like... You guys can't see Tony is, he's, see, the, the story is that Maddie is deaf, so Tony is, is doing this, the universal sign for bird. Oh, I thought this was a sign for deaf people. I thought it was this. <laughs> Isn't that like? It's applause. Is that applause? Yeah. I thought that was, no. Panic would be a little too on the nose for that one. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know sign language. What am I? doing i'm an idiot i was like we should have brought max on for this one because he's proficient in sign language what with the whole wrestling with subtitles and all yeah where have you been max yeah i haven't seen you since christmas max i mean i've seen you i was just at your house for wrestlemania last weekend but yeah max fucking max (laughs) um oh by the way he he texted me yesterday and he goes oh i did get that vince russo reference Was he disappointed? <laughs> he sounded like it was. <laughs> um, anyways, Maddie is, uh, she's an author who at 13 was struck deaf and dumb by uh, viral meningitis. Uh, she lives alone out kind of in the middle of nowhere, like this wooded area. Mm-hmm. Um she does have a neighbor, but I, I kind of got the feeling that she lives a little ways away. Uh, yeah, but very, very self-sufficient. Um, but one night, uh, her neighbor is brutally attacked. And she runs over to the house to try and get help. But since Maddie can't hear her knocking on the door, she doesn't notice her. And the neighbor is murdered. Murder, 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 murder. Uh, savagely, brutally, real slow, real slow, like, and it's almost like he was fucking her with a knife. A little bit, yeah. It's very sexual, very, very phallic, sexy. <laughs> no, not sexy. <laughs> it wasn't sexy. Uh, and the killer, he figures out right away that Maddie cannot hear him. He starts like kind of tapping on the window and then he just starts knocking and test the waters. Right. And yeah, can't hear. Nope. And so he decides he's going to have some fun with her. 
instead of just killing her off, which apparently is his plan all along. For whatever reason, there's no real explanation as to why he wants to kill any of these people Mm-mm. other than that he's just a psychopath. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he is an asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he decides he's, he's going to have some fun with her first and just tease her. And, uh, and the whole movie is just kind of this cat and mouse thing going on between them. It's kind of a home invasion, but kind of not because he tells her... Uh, he says, I can get in this house anytime I want to, but I'm not going to until I'm ready. Yeah. But he won't, like, she keeps trying to escape, and, you know, I, I don't want to get into the details, because that's kind of where the, the, the whole movie is, is in the details. Um, there's not a whole lot of story going on here. No. It's, it's just her trying to escape and him not letting her. Yeah. Um... The mask was really creepy because it like kind of had a smile, kind of had this like wry smile. Yeah. But he took it off right away. Yeah, he wore it for like 30 seconds. And I was like, what was the point of wearing a mask at all then? Yeah, and what bothered me was that it was like like in the poster or the the, the art for the movie. It had a picture of him wearing mm-hmm. the mask. And the trailer is like all him in the mask. I haven't seen the trailer, but uh, yeah, I mean, is that even possible? Every time you see him, it's, he's in the mask. They don't show him unmasked in the trailer. Hmm. I mean, I, the trailer is mostly her, but every time you see him, he's in the mask. Got it. But yeah, I was very disappointed how fast he took it off. But at the same time, I like it makes sense in the story. Yeah, because she tries to get him to go away. She's like, I haven't seen your face. Just go. Yeah, she writes on the door in lipstick... Yeah. Won't tell, haven't seen face, boyfriend coming. And then he's, he takes off the mask and he's like, you've seen it now, haven't you? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, now I have a reason to kill you. Yeah. Because you've seen my face. This is true. No, you're doing you can't see me, but she could see him. John Cena. Da, 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 da. Uh, so what'd you think? This movie didn't have a lot going for it. <laughs> it was really repetitive. Um, <clears throat> like there are parts where it tried to build suspense, but it just didn't work. Like it, I wasn't, I didn't feel <laughs> suspended. <laughs> Um, so much of the movie was him outside and her inside and like you said just like this cat and mouse thing and like it was good for a bit but at a point it got to a point where it just wasn't interesting anymore yeah I feel the same way um, so many of these home invasion movies like especially ones like this where it's not like the person doesn't come in and tie them up and do whatever like these these cat and mouse ones they do get very repetitive and it's like it's interesting for the first half hour maybe, maybe. And, and then the end yeah and all that point in between is just it's just back and forth yeah i mean it was a lot it doesn't of, lead anywhere yeah it, was it just a lot leads right back to where it started her going into like her going into a room and then him being there at the window 
Yeah. That was a lot of the movie. Or her going outside and then him finding her and her having to go back inside. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you when, but I'm going to get you. That was a lot of the movie. It was. Just a lot of, a lot of, just, just circle jerk. Yeah. That's the wrong word. (laughs) We can go with it. (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's circular in that it, it's her trying to do something, failing, and going right back to where she started. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and at, at the point when, so <clears throat> because she was deaf and mute, she, you know, obviously had no lines, except for like her internal dialogue. Yeah, something. she even mentions how she has a voice in her head. Yeah, that sounds like her mother. Right. Um. Well, it actually ended up sounding like her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when they actually make it audible, yeah, it sounds like her. Yeah. Um. But so she has no lines in ninety-nine percent of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, for the, the majority of the movie, it's just the this this guy. Did he actually have a name? I don't think so. Uh, they never said it. Okay. Um, and just the, the the small amount of, of lines that he has. So I mean, there's not much for dialogue in this movie. And we've talked before about how. Like, I fucking hate when there's just long silences in movies with no dialogue. This was different because there were things happening. It wasn't just somebody sitting and pondering with no talking. Yeah. That's what I can't fucking stand. There were actually things happening. But even those things that were happening, it's like, okay, well, this this just happened. I feel like I'm watching the same scene again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, like, the whole the whole plot line of her being deaf and dumb is relevant for again like i said the first half hour or so and then it just becomes fairly fairly irrelevant for mm-hmm. most of the movie um it i mean it's it's interesting that like she can't scream she can't really call anybody she she facetimes with people mm-hmm. but she can't call anybody she can't call 911 um and one time she does try to facetime with 911 which i don't think you can do did she i I must have looked away at that part or something i don't know yeah i mean i don't know maybe it was just going to call and then she was hoping that there would be sound or something that would tip them off or but if you call 911 and hang up they'll send a cop car yeah i've experienced that firsthand really (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) my brother and i we used to go get different phones in the house. <laughs> we used to, like, like, you son of a bib. <laughs> I hate your fucking guts. That's so stupid. I know. <laughs> but at one point, we pressed the combination of 911. <laughs> and, like, it's like, 911, what's your emergency? Beep. <laughs> Uh, oh beep <laughs> well no actually i thought maybe we just hung up but we're like oh sorry 
we were just playing a game on the phone. I guess we accidentally called. We were like 10 and 11, maybe somewhere in there. Um, I said, okay, can I speak to one of your parents? No. They're not home. (laughs) And they weren't. It was just the two of us home. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Like, okay, we're going to need to send an officer by to check on you, okay? Like, can you not? (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, if my dad finds out about this, he's going to kick our asses. Um, but yeah, so they, they sent a cop by just to basically do a, a welfare check and that, that was the end of it. But <laughs> it's my first experience with interacting with the police and it was a little terrifying. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and then, you know, at one point I heard this the internal monologue, like you were saying, even says he has the advantage over you because he can hear you. Mm hmm. And so there are little things that, that pop up that are interesting that, you know, if, if she could hear that these things wouldn't happen. Yeah, pretty much all of it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, just most most of this movie is just this cat and mouse back and forth that doesn't really lead anywhere and just seems like it's filling time. Yeah. On the upside, though, once the the action starts to happen... It's actually not too bad. No, I really like the the first. I would say the first and third act. If we're breaking it down into into three acts, I would say that I really enjoyed the first act and the third act. Just that second act, it just lags, and there's. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when for for what's there, it's 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 damn entertaining. Yeah, like I mean, there there like this isn't especially bloody. I mean, there is blood mm-hmm. and a fair amount of it for this kind of movie. It seems like, yeah. Um, and pretty good, pretty good effects too. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, they weren't over the top. Or right. It's not, it's it doesn't not, necessitate it. There's no major gore effects, but yeah. the, the, you know, stabbings and whatnot are, yeah. are well done. And there's like, like you said, a, a good amount of, of blood. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's like fucking like bone crushings and stuff. And <laughs> I don't think my wife was even watching it. She just heard it, and she's like, "That's I don't like that. <laughs> like that's the sound of bones shattering. <laughs> it's just it's like it's, it sounds like a, a sack of pebbles that you're just like shaking." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This guy had he had the knife, like we said. But he also had a crossbow, right? And so, which you, was you had instances of him. Shooting her with the crossbow, in the butt. No, oh, it wasn't the butt. It was the no, leg. It was the leg. It looked like the butt. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like a underlying thing. It wasn't like a wasn't really heavy handed theme, but the fact that she's losing blood, mm-hmm. somewhat quickly, and so she needs to get help as quickly as possible. And yeah, she can't. That was kind of like, like I said, I didn't really spend a lot of time on that, but that was kind of something that was always in kind of in the back of your mind. But I mean, it led to the whole, like, why she can't escape thing. Because it's like, even if she gets him, you know, on one side of the house and runs across the other side of the house, all he has to do is get around the corner and he can shoot at her. Yeah. He doesn't have to chase her down. Yeah. And I mean, it, she, she does get the crossbow at one point. It's, oh, that's a little bit of a spoiler, but not, not a, a big deal. Bit. Um, 
and you know she starts contemplating like how she can take him down and i guess this is a little side point is that when she's describing her writing process to her friend you know you could kind of tell this is foreshadowing i mean it wasn't a big secret at the beginning of the movie um that when she writes she actually has like about she said like seven different ways a, a story could end mm-hmm. um and then she just kind of picks the best one or something like that yeah um and when she's trying to figure out how to get away she kind of does the same thing yeah and she one kind of just narrows it down yeah yeah and she yeah she just kind of uses a process of elimination being realistic about which potential exit could work one of them was she has the crossbow she could shoot the guy and then she comes to realize it's like okay well you have no idea how to use this you can barely load it Mm -hmm. he's gonna be moving and you're not gonna hit a moving target so that's out (laughs) i must that must be like a fucking just like devastating feeling in that kind of situation you know you have a weapon and you can't use it you can't use it yeah it's like having an empty gun or something yeah (laughs) <laughs> just, just chuck it. Yeah. And then you had the dude from How I Met Your Mother show up. Oh right. Um he has some Italian last name, I can't remember. His name was John in this. I don't know the yeah. actor's name. But he played the big dumb guy on How I Met Your Mother. Was he dumb? Oh, he was super dumb. I don't remember being dumb. I remember Oh yeah, like Robin tried to break up with him and he didn't couldn't figure it out he's like a tv chef or something right yeah yeah and he kept trying to come up with catchphrases <laughs> all aboard the chow chow train <laughs> michael Tru- trucho truco t-u-c-c-i-o t-r-u-c-c-o truccio there's no i though oh truco then oh the killer guy that's the dude from 10 cloverfield lane Emmett? That's why you look familiar. Okay. Um, the whole movie, I'm thinking, why does that fucker look so goddamn familiar? I, I don't. I guess I never really bothered to look him up, but he had that beard in Ten Cloverfield Lane that kind of masked his face, and then long hair. He was. Did he have long hair? Yeah, I mean shaggy. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, and this yeah. he got like a shaved head and like a five o'clock shadow. Yeah, and a giant tattoo of something on his neck. Yeah. I kept trying to figure out what it was. And I was like, is it a snake? Is it an angel? Is it a clam? <laughs> Some kind of gang tattoo? It kind of looked like a gooey duck at one point. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Oh, going back to her talking about the multiple endings, though. I like when she's trying to write her next book and she's going through all the different endings. And she's like, la, 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 blah, blah, blah. The end. Money now, please. Yeah. <laughs> Ending stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this movie because I, I was really into it. And then it just started getting repetitive and boring. But then it picked up again. Yeah. It's kind of a... Yeah, kind of a, a wave. Yeah, like this thing. Yeah. I mean, if it was, you know, like a... Uh, 
I don't know, like an episode of a TV show or something, and they could have cut out that middle part and just made it an hour long. Probably would have been more effective. Yeah. I mean, like a, like a short film or something. Well, this still would have been too long for a, a yeah, real that, short film, thing. but. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I feel like I was going to say something about Tru- Truco. Something else about him, but I don't know what it was. Okay. Yeah. I like that they... Well, no, that might be... A, this is an unimportant spoiler, but a spoiler nonetheless. So I'll leave it up. Okay. <laughs> they tease something that I don't like, but then they don't actually do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you just want to do ratings? What did you think of the end without spoiling anything? Uh, I'm trying to recall the ending. It, it, it was all okay. I mean, nothing special. It was a, a little too expected. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I think a lot of this movie was. Yeah. Wasn't an exact, it wasn't exactly like a a big secret movie. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I guess I just expected something a little more. Like I kind of thought they would call back to her being an author more. Well, I mean, that's kind of where the, like, like we said, the, the kind of seven different endings. Sure. But I, then at the very ending, I thought maybe there would have been something more to that, but there wasn't. So I don't know. Well, like her, like her being like, now I have my ending. Obviously, she wouldn't have said that, but. <laughs> oh, and really bad. Oh, cheesy as fuck. Part of me was really concerned she was going to start talking. Yeah. There, there was a part there where, yeah. And I was like, no way. That's not fucking medically possible. Yeah, that's, that's, Eat a dick. That's not a thing that <laughs> happens in life. Um. Also, the, the the signing, it all looked like I don't I don't know ASL, but a lot of it looked the same. All right. And I was like, are they actually signing something? <laughs> I mean, I know. Or is it just like the sign language equivalent of just making up a language gibberish. and <laughs> calling it Italian or something? <laughs> exactly. Um. I mean, I, I I don't know sign language fluently like whatsoever. I, I know a few signs, and I, I saw some things that I recognized. Yeah, same here. Like when she did the kissing thing, uh, but she thought it was storyteller. Oh, right. And she was like, you're a great storyteller. And I was like, pretty sure that's kissing. <laughs> and then she was like, no, that's kissing. This is storyteller. And I was like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, I, I knew this was bitch. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I knew. I think everybody knows. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Some other things, but I mean, I'm sure they probably were. It just, it just looked funny. You look funny. <laughs> Man, you, you got me. <laughs> I burned you so hard, you fucker. <laughs> 
Um, I think since I liked two thirds of it, I'll give it a six. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I was going to say too. Um, the, the middle, like we said, was just kind of a drip, but the ending, or I mean the, the beginning created interest. I mean, it did, it did an effective job at that. Um, but I mean, then the middle really dragged and then, like I said, the ending was good. Uh, there's, there's some fucking action, something to get your fucking blood pumping. You know? It was just getting from A to B. You, you had to have this dip in the middle just to make it a movie. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Six would be right where I, where I put it. All right, so moving on, we'll do the next movie. Uh, something that just came out, and we said, like, this is a very, what appears to be hard to find movie i mean it's in very limited theaters like well i'll mention that later uh but it's a movie from this year called the other side of the door is oliver in heaven now what if I could bring your son back to you just one more time? There's an abandoned temple. The door of the temple is the key to the world of the dead. You will be able to speak to your son, but no matter what you do, you must not open the door. Oliver? Is that you? Mommy? I miss you so much. I have to go now. Please, Oliver! I miss you, Mommy. Come back, mommy. I think Oliver's hiding. Who's he hiding from? So what I was going to say is that there was, I mean, between us, you know, we live probably about 25, 30 miles away from each other. Something like that, yeah. Um, You know, you live here in Seattle and I live in a suburb down south. Um, There was... One theater near both of us playing it. And it wasn't in Seattle. Right. You would think if it's in a limited theater, it would be in like the major city. Yeah, that was a weird thing. Or, you know, it would be in Seattle or uh, Bellevue or Redmond or something. But no, it was even Tacoma. Sure. No, it was in my town, Federal Way, in this $2 theater. Yeah. This one cost $3, by the way. Well, yeah, because it's brand new. Right. First run movies, you got to pay extra. Right. And when it has a big star like Lori from The Walking Dead <laughs> and Sisto. Okay. So, like I said, this is the other side of the door. Um, it's a movie from this year. Apparently, a British and Indian movie. I know it was filmed in India. Right. I mean, not, I mean, you right. could set a movie in India and film it anywhere, but this one is actually filmed in India. Right. Um, but yeah, the, 
it's it's kind of weird. I mean, starring American actors, but it's a British Indian. Film. What makes it British? British production company, I guess. Oh, okay. Um. So the story is about. Um, well, it starts out with uh, Maria and Maria. Uh, Maria. Por qué? There's actually there's a scene where he's going through the house and he's like, Maria, Maria. <laughs> and all I could think about was fucking Pablo Francisco. Um, but it's, it starts out with Maria and Michael. Uh, Michael is an antiques dealer. Um, and they're in India for his work. Um, and like right off the bat, like she announces that she's pregnant. And I guess probably the same day they kind of start to discuss and ultimately decide to not go back to the States, that they're going to pull up stakes and actually move to India, which I don't get. It's an odd choice. I just like... You're nothing against India, but I mean, it's... You don't hear about a lot of people... Moving there. Uprooting and moving to India, yeah. It just it doesn't look like a good place. It looks... Like kind of a wreck. Yeah. I mean, I know it's like one of the most overcrowded countries in the world. This is true. Um, I mean, that's saying something as an American citizen. <laughs> well, I guess as far as our land mass goes, we're not overcrowded, but as far as our livable areas. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so six years go by. And, you know, I'm reading this synopsis to just kind of keep me on track about the details. And, like, I don't think this is correct because it says six years after her losing her son, Oliver, in a car accident. That's not accurate. No. Because she's pregnant. It it jumps forward six years, but it, it, like, skips the major event of Oliver dying. And then it kind of flashes back to it. Yeah. Because he was probably, what, four? No, he was older than that. Okay. Maybe it was six years. Because so do they time jump farther than that? Possibly, because... Because when she tells him she's pregnant, that's their first kid, which is their daughter. Lucy? No, the son's the first one, because the son's clearly older. And the daughter, she is probably about six. Hmm. So I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused because, see, the opening part, they're walking on a beach, discussing moving to India. And, and if they have a child at that point, it's completely unbeknownst to the audience. Well, right, but then something happens while they're on the beach. That makes you think that it's oh, yeah, like, that weird. That maybe it's a dream and she wakes up and it's six years later. Oh, so maybe it has actually been six years since this accident. Could be. That's confusing, though. I wouldn't have but, known that just from the movie. But at the same time, the girl in the flashbacks to the accident, she doesn't look that much younger, if at all. Yeah, that's true. So, okay, I'm just now realizing that the timeline on this is fucking wonky as shit. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. 
regardless, <laughs> uh, Maria and Michael lose their son Oliver in a in a car accident. She goes off a bridge because um, she was drunk. Maybe they don't really <laughs> cover that. She's high on PCP, crack cocaine. <laughs> um, however much time has passed, she has she is just stuck in in this mourning period. She cannot get past the death of the of her son, her son Coral. <laughs> Coral, <laughs> right? No, unfortunately, that fucker's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Maria is played by Sarah Wayne Callis, who played Laurie in uh, Walking Dead, and she's about just as obnoxious in this <laughs> as she was in that. Um, and also fuck Carl. Right. But not in a sexual way. No. Hashtag fucking Carl. <laughs> Coral. Fucking Coral. Uh, One-eyed freak. Well, he was significantly less annoying this season. Because he was barely on TV. Exactly. Um, and when he was, he was getting shot in the face. <laughs> um, And he was kind of just owning those two kids that were annoying. Two kids? Yeah. Uh, uh, Alexandra Breckenridge's kids. Oh. They were annoying. Yeah, they were. I didn't think Coral really had anything to do with the younger one, though. No, not really, I guess. But the older one. He, yeah, the older one. He, they were fighting over, what's her name? He got served. Yeah. Got served. But then he shot Carl in the face. <laughs> he shot him. Sure, then he got eaten by zombies, but at least he got to shoot Carl in the face. Spoilers. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I'm five episodes behind. I'm allowed to use spoilers. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why that logic works. But. Yeah, that's your fucking fault, <laughs> asshole. Um, okay, so she's just inconsolable. Like, Michael cannot bring her around to just accepting the death and moving past it and, you know, trying to realize that she still has a loving husband and a, and a daughter that's still perfectly healthy. Um. She is just stuck on the death of her son for, you know, however many years later. Six. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe <laughs> six. There's a six years somewhere. Um, so she tr- tries to kill herself. <clears throat> I guess it's maybe not really important to the over or the synopsis I'm trying to give, I guess. It's not really major part of the plot but their, their housekeeper Pika Peaky 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 yeah that's Pika Peaky okay Peaky <laughs> um tells them or tells her that there's a legend of a hidden temple <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> turns out in her village that she came from, where they say, now they say this, them, that the veil between the living and the dead is very thin, and that if you bring the ashes of your 
loved one to this temple, scatter them on the steps, and then go inside and lock the doors, that your loved one will be able to kind of pierce the veil in a way. Shitty band. Very shitty band. Um, And speak to you. She does this. But the veil is so thin that if you open the door... It's it's literally door thin. (laughs) Literally. Literally. (laughs) So what does she do? She goes and digs up the kid's fucking body. Yeah. She unearths the body. My wife leaned over to me. She's like, her husband's going to be very upset. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um. Uh, she, yeah, she digs up the body that is, you know, partially decomposed. And the fact that it wasn't completely dis- decomposed leads me to believe it hadn't been six years. True. Yeah, good point. Because uh, it was still gooey. <laughs> gooey? It was gooey. Yeah. Um, They burn the body because that's what you do. That's how you get ash. That is how you get ash. <laughs> you just burn the body of your son. When you hadn't, that you just dug up. When you hadn't done it already. <laughs> um, and she takes it to the temple, does her little thing. But she's been warned not to open the door. In no uncertain terms. Yeah. Pika, Peaky, Pika, Pika. Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> Was very clear about that. Uh, but it's kind of like saying, uh, now Luke, don't you take that pie off that windowsill? And then Luke said, I'm going to take that pie off that windowsill. Who the fuck is Luke? Cool hand Luke. Oh. Paul Newman. Uh, I was thinking Luke Skywalker and I was like, I don't remember this scene. (laughs) There's pie in Star Wars. There had to be, right? has to be pie. Sure. I mean, they have gay people, apparently, so why not pie? Yeah. Are you insinuating there's no gay people in the future? Are you insinuating there's no pie in the future? <laughs> Good Lord, I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> no, it's not the future. It's the past. Because it was in a galaxy... or Far, far away. Not long, long ago. It was, it was long ago in a galaxy far away. Oh, I guess you're right. Star Wars! So, but yeah, so I mean, of course, what does she do? She opens the fucking door like a dumbass. Goddamn door. Now, keep in mind, she's not supposed to open the door. (laughs) This allows Oliver's spirit to enter into our world, um, and it follows her home because it's also his home. Um, and some shit starts happening. At first, it kind of seems all right, because... At first, all he wants is just to hear the end of the goddamn Jungle Book. Right. Who can blame him? I mean, it's riveting. <laughs> um, but... <clears throat> Pikachu <laughs> starts to realize that something is amiss, and she basically knows exactly what happened. Um... And says that, you know, now he's stuck here. He can't go back. Um, and his soul is just 
putrefying, which is kind of a similar concept to, uh, um, like, if you watch Supernatural, like, that's why ghosts are so violent, because their spirits are stuck on Earth. They're scared and afraid and don't know what to do. And, like, the more, more time they're on Earth, the more they start to lose it. And that's why they need to be, that's why they need to move on. So it's, it's a similar theme, I guess. Okay. Um, There's a lot of similar themes in this. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's basically, it, it kind of turns into a standard ghost story from there. Yep. Standard is one way to put it. Derivative, that's another. Yep. Same old paint-by-numbers bullshit, that's one way to put it. Predictable. So predictable. Yeah. You've got these shamans who are, like, chasing her around, and they're basically the thin man from The Exorcist, too, in Indian shaman form. Yeah. Same concept. <clears throat> just everything about this is just, it's the same stuff we've Wait, seen the before. The Exorcist, too? You mean Poltergeist, too? Yeah, Poltergeist, too. Um, there's probably exorcist in there somewhere. Uh, the ending seemed very exorcist. The, ex- the, the, the very end was so fucking predictable and stupid and bullshit. Uh, this movie wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't very good. No. Um, it's, it's cool looking. It was cool. And there were some really creepy. The gatekeeper, things. the gatekeeper was pretty cool looking. Yeah. Although, uh, no, never mind. Um. Yeah, like there was like the, the the gatekeeper to the land of the dead who was basically trying to get Oliver or something. Yeah, I wasn't really clear on why she was there. Pikachu said something, <laughs> and it didn't sink in. <laughs> it it wanted. I think it wanted to bring Oliver back. That's kind of what I figured. And it would kill whoever got in its way. Okay. Um, um, the end, not the very end, but like the, the last act felt very uh, Pet cemetery ish Also, the yeah. kid's ghost kind of reminds me of uh, from Pet Sematary. A um, little bit. The fuck's the ghost's name in Pet Sematary? Uh, Pascal. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminded me just visually of him. Yeah. And the, the makeup and the effects were pretty killer. Like, yeah. They, they, like, like I said, it, it looks good. Yeah. Um, but the story is garbage. Yeah. Well, I'm good. And like I said, super derivative, super paint by numbers. Um, it's, it's, if you've, if, if you watch ghost movies, you've seen, everything in this before. Yeah. And, and like the fact that it's set in India is inconsequential. Well, I mean, the, I mean, you've got this, this temple and these shamans, the, the Agori, which are actually real people. Okay. Um, they're, I, I don't know if that's, if, if their backstory in this or is legit. Um, but in the film, they are they're they're shamans. Um, they 
eat the flesh of the dead and coat themselves in the ash to strengthen their bonds between the worlds of the living and the dead. Yeah. So they're almost almost gatekeepers themselves in a way. Kind of, yeah. Um, kind of police a little bit. Because they, when they, when there's a disturbance, when you know, when Maria creates this rift, essentially, they kind of almost seem like they they come out to set things straight, to enforce the way things are supposed to be, set them right. I suppose they don't really, they don't do a very good job of explaining what their mission is. Not really. You have to kind of infer things. Yeah, it kind of happens when you have a you have characters that don't really talk. When they're not chanting. Yeah. And then you've got Sisto, who just, like, appears and disappears at random times throughout the movie. Yeah. They they could have made this entire fucking movie without him. Yeah. There was no point. It was, it was like, his whole point was to show up at random times and be like, no, you're crazy. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. I'm going to leave, and then everything's going to happen, and then yeah. I'll come back and say you're crazy again. Yeah, I'm going to go work, and then when I come home, I'm going to say something's amiss, and then I'm going to disappear for a few more scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I thought this was a little more independent than it actually was, but, you it's know. It's Fox, right? It's Fox, yeah. That was, I did not know that ahead of time. So I was a little let down, like, right off the bat. Like, I was hoping to see some kind of, like, <clears throat> smaller movie house name. Yeah. But then... I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's kind of how I was with Hush when Blumhouse showed up. Yeah, me too. I was listening to some other podcast and they were talking about Blumhouse's little title card thing. And they're like, why is it so fucking long? <laughs> it is long. And it's silent too. Yeah. Like, it had some fucking sound effects. That's like, there's two or three title cards before the movie actually starts in Hush. Mm-hmm. And they're both or all of them were silent and I thought something was wrong with my TV. I was like, is it on mute? Do I need to? So I turned it up to like 50 and then the music is like, ah, my ears, my hearing. What, 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 uh, Lori, what, what's, what's the actress's name? Sarah Wayne Callis. What, what did you think of her performance? She's okay, but I mean, I know you said that she's about as annoying as she was as Lori, but yeah, I feel like she she held her own, but she just couldn't carry this story out of the dumpster. Yeah. I mean, she 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 played a mourning mother pretty well. Like I, I, I believed that she was mourning and like inconsolable. I, I bought that. Yeah. At the same time, when Oliver came back, she kind of like found some vitality again. And, you know, and, and Michael was actually a little surprised by that because, of course, he is completely on the outside of all this. He has no idea what's going on. Because mm-hmm. he's never fucking home. Right. Even though she traveled to a village on the south side of the country or something, like far enough away where she had to take a fucking train to get there. Yeah. And, and she then, basically just left him a voicemail or an email or whatever it was and was just like, I'll be back in a few days. Bye. Yeah. I'm off to have some me time. Yeah. It's like, okay, just going to leave our daughter with the, with the help, huh? 
Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. He seemed pretty exhausted, which may have been due to the fact that he has a wife that punches him in the face in the middle of the night <laughs> because she's mad that he's sleeping. <laughs> what a dick. That happened. That she woke happen. up from a night. Like, that was like the, not the first scene, but like first scene in, in the present. The, the, she wakes up from a nightmare, looks over to him. He's asleep. And she starts hitting him in the face, <laughs> saying, how can you sleep? And he's like, first hit, he's like, whoa. It's like, just that's like restrainer. <laughs> I leaned over to my wife. I said, don't ever fucking hit me while I'm sleeping. You will be looking at divorce papers. Yeah. Like, that is the last thing that will happen. <laughs> In this home. <laughs> okay, I thought you meant like to her, and I was like, no. "Whoa, you okay? Hold on, going too far now." <laughs> well, I, I, I don't remember if you've ever woken me up before. I feel like I probably have. I tend to react. Yeah, I, I tend to get a little uh, erratic when I am suddenly woken. Like I've throwing punches and stuff before it's just not a good good idea to like shake me awake or startle me good to know (laughs) anyway so i don't know i don't i don't really think there's anything else to say one thing i i thought it was interesting that this movie is rated r was it because i don't know why no it felt like a pg-13 movie maybe it was for Horrifying images or something. Were there multiple fucks in it? I don't. I, I don't recall any fucks. Then I don't. It like I said, it felt like a PG thirteen movie. It wasn't. And actually, it felt like a movie that pulled punches to be PG thirteen, and yet it bit. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. If you have, if you have an R rating, fucking use it. God, yeah. God damn it. Drop some f bombs. Show some titties. Yeah, it's, it's like all the things that you would think would cause it to be rated R. There wasn't any of it. Mm-mm. There wasn't violence, no nudity. There's no gore. I mean, there's like you know some like I said, ho- like horrifying images. That was. I guess there's not even really any gore, is there? No. I mean, unless you count the way the the, the, the ghost looked. Yeah, but that's not really like a gore effect, like someone you know getting cut up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have no idea what the MPAA saw that made them warrant giving this an R, but... Fuck if I know. Um, oh. So, the primary form of frights in this movie are jump scares. Oh, yeah. Too many fucking jump scares. Like it And ticky-tack bullshit jump scares, too. Yeah. Well, it's... The, the jump scares got to a point where they were predictable and, like... They started at a point where they were predictable. Well, okay. But, I mean, like, sometimes you, you expect a jump scare and it doesn't happen. That's true. Um, But there were, that was, that was a rare occasion in this one. Mm-hmm. It almost always happened. Um, And, uh, like, it, I mean, the, the, the jump scares were predictable. Um, You could almost expect, like, exactly when something was going to jump out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably what it was going to be 
some of them didn't even land like as far as like being an actual scare like it wasn't shocking it was just kind of funny yeah like i i think do you know which one i'm talking about um not particularly the little girl's birds die because that was something okay like, now i know exactly which one you're talking about yeah that's uh, the one i was thinking but i wasn't sure if that was the one you were thinking oh uh, okay well yeah it's <laughs> so these shamans like i said like I said earlier they've kind of followed her uh, maria back from this temple um Actually, they, I guess they weren't even necessarily at the temple originally. They were, they were at the, the, the burial uh, ground. Yeah, the graveyard. Um, they, But they follow her back home. They're kind of stalking her around. The little girl's birds die. Uh, two little parakeets or whatever they were. Um, and I guess Pikachu told the little girl <laughs> that the, um, people are buried at sea in India which I don't know that that's true, but I feel like if it is, there's probably a lot of dead bodies in the water. <laughs> it's like the fucking East River. Yeah. <laughs> so they take the birds to the beach and dump it, dump them into what looks like a boat launch. Um, and the little girl says, Mommy, what's that man doing? And she looks over on what I think it was like a jetty or something. A wharf or something, yeah. Um, it's like under a bridge. And it was like, <laughs> what are these shamans just standing there like in this intense stance? <laughs> like he's getting ready to like... Is, wasn't he pointing at her? Was he pointing? I couldn't really tell. I thought so. It was It was kind of like, he was kind of backlit a little bit, so it was hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, but he's like standing there. It almost looked like he was about to like leap and like fly over to her or something. <laughs> um, Which wouldn't have been all that surprising no. in this fucking movie. But she's like, oh, don't worry, honey. He's far away. And he's like, no, not him. That one. And she turns to her other side. And there's this other shaman guy just standing there. Right in her face. Right in her face. So that's the kind of things that happen in this. But like you had the, the whole setup with the little girl being like, no, not that one over there. No, seriously, like she just shouted it so fast that it's like I don't, I barely know what you just said. I wanted to laugh out loud when that happened. It was comical. Yeah, it was so just like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> fuck this movie. Anyway, so I, I, I think that's all I've got. Unless you have anything to add? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, not, not a good movie. No, I would not recommend it. Um. I think it had potential, just not executed well. So, um, I don't know. Because some of the imagery was cool, I'll give it a four. See, I'm same reason, but not that high. I'm going to give it a three. <laughs> okay. Solely because there was some of the, the imagery was cool. Um, it, yeah. I was gonna say it looked good, but it, it, it didn't even really look good. It just it was just certain parts of it were cool looking, but like I said, derivative, paint by numbers, it's predictable. Everything we've seen before, yeah, not good. Nothing new. I mean, I mean, if if you're in a situation like. Like we were, where like 
You can see it for three dollars. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, we left the theater and told my wife, "It's like, I, okay, yeah, <laughs> that was worth three dollars." <laughs> right. It was kind of like when I bought the original Dawn of the Dead on DVD. And I opened it, and inside was not only the original Dawn of the Dead, but also the remake. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I got the remake for free. That's exactly what I was willing to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And I was really hoping this was on VOD, because like, I was I was finding conflicting VOD dates. Like, some saying that there currently wasn't a VOD date. Some saying today. Which See, I saw nice. June. You saw June? Yeah, but not like a specific date. It's just June. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I had to see it in a theater at the $2 theater and that place is a fucking dump. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's that. That is that. Uh, one last thing before we go, as we are wont to do, we're going to play a game or a round of plot holes. Uh, if I can find the link here, Mr. Tony, how about an adjective? Uh, peach flavored. And how about a present tense verb? Wipe. That would be wiping. Would uh, it be? Huh? Would it be? Yeah, because present tense. You would be currently be wiping. But. Do I need to explain tenses to you? No. Asshole. Wiping asshole, yes. That's what you. Fuck off. Uh, adjective. Uh, sticky. Present tense verb. Pounding off. <laughs> Uh, plural noun. Swollen testes. Adjective. Infected. And two nouns. Butt lube. <laughs> and a leather gimp mask. Is there is there lube specifically for butts? Yep. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Uh, okay, so... Time to listen to Tony's rewrite of Rosemary's Baby. Peach-flavored Rosemary Woodhouse and her wiping actor husband, Guy, move into the Bramford, an old New York City apartment building with an ominous reputation and only sticky residents. Neighbors, Ro <laughs> Neighbors Roman and Minnie Castavet soon come pounding off around to welcome the Woodhouses to the building. I don't, don't welcome me that way. What are you doing? <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Despite Rosemary's reservations about their eccentricity and the weird swollen testes that she keeps hearing, <laughs> hearing, throbbing, <laughs> guy starts spending time with the Castavets. Shortly after Guy lands a plum Broadway role, Minnie starts showing up with infected chocolate mousse for Rosemary. When Rosemary becomes pregnant after a moose provoked nightmare of being raped by butt lube, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, the cast of Eds take a special interest in her welfare as the sick of Eddie's, by the way. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Just saying. Why is there no E at the end then? There isn't? Not in this one. Okay. Uh, the Castavetes take a special interest in her welfare. As the sickened Rosemary becomes increasingly isolated, she begins to suspect that the Castavetes' leather gimp mask is not what it seems. <laughs> What is it then? I don't know. Uh, the diabolical truth is revealed only after Rosemary gives birth and the baby is taken away from her. Not bad. It's all right. We've had better. We've had worse. We've had worse. So that is going to wrap things up for episode 59 
Uh, we'll be back. Well, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Taylor won't be here, as I said earlier. I will not. I'm going to try and call in reviews, though. Yes, we'll, we will be reviewing. Um, shit, I don't even remember. Uh, Before I Wake and Holidays. Right. Um, Another uh, Mike Flanagan movie. Before yes. I Wake. Quite. <laughs> quite, yes. <laughs> it is quite a Mike Flanagan movie. <laughs> Um, I'll be back with, uh, my sp- special guest host, uh, my dad, Skella John, because he wants to be on the show. He likes it. He thinks he's better than you. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, back in a couple weeks, um, until then, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good shit. Yes, sir. So, until we meet again, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. You know the day destroys the night Night divides the day Try to run, try to hide Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side, yeah We chased our pleasures here Dug our treasures there I found it.